0: Bom dia
1: I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, Elon Musk tries to back out of the $44 billion Twitter deal again trader rejects him, again. All this a day before the whistleblower is scheduled to testify on Capitol Hill. How could that change the trial? We'll discuss. Plus, streaming platforms going all out for sports broadcast rights. A conversation with Amazon's Global Sports Video Vice President on its big-ticket deal for Thursday Night Football. And more leagues making bets on the blockchain. An NFT startup backed by Serena Williams just got a big deal with the NBA. We're going to talk to a top exec at So Rare later this hour. All of that in a moment, but first I want to get a look at the markets. Tech leading gains in equities with key inflation data to come later in the week. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow is in New York with the latest. Ed?
2: Yeah, and we also got some breaking news after the bell What I want to go over quickly. Peloton co-founder and executive chairman John Foley is leaving the company. The company announced after the market closed Monday. The chief legal officer, Hisao Kushi, who is also the co-founder of the company, is also leaving. And he will be replaced by Tammy Albaran, who is an Uber executive. She becomes the chief legal officer. It was a really buoyant day in the main session Monday. The Nasdaq 100 up for a fourth straight day, its best run of gains since early July. And as you said, that eye on a key august CPI print, we want to see inflation cooling because of a big Fed meeting next week. Uh, Also in the market, less performance in the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index or SOX, yields kind of holding steady. And Bitcoin actually had a pretty strong session as we tick over into Tuesday session around 22 thousand five hundred dollars per u.s token semiconductor space a, a softer part of the market on monday news reports that the biden administration is going to codify firm up expand its curbs of u.s exports of chip technology to china It was principally the chip equipment makers those that make the machines that make the chips that were the worst performers on the socks including the likes of AMD. And as always, so much technology news to go over. Some of the names we're keeping an eye on, sticking with the chip space. Intel up three tenths of one percent, but a Bloomberg scoop. Sources say they're re-evaluating their spin-off and IPO of Mobileye, the uh, automotive tech company. They're thinking about a lesser value or lower valuation and delaying that market condition such as they are. Apple, having its best day since May, early pre-order data for the latest generation of iPhone looking strong. And Twitter, you know all about that, down 1.9%. A third rejection of a third Musk attempt to walk away from this deal.
1: Indeed. All right, Ed Ludlow, thank you. Let's talk a little bit more about Twitter Musk now. Twitter rejecting that latest effort to cancel the deal yet again, saying it's, quote, invalid and wrongful. His third attempt to walk away from this deal, and third time's not the charm. That whistleblower, former Twitter employee Peter Zatko, aka Mudge, testifies before the Senate Judiciary Committee Tuesday. Here to discuss Bloomberg's Jeff Feely in Wilmington, Delaware, and Alex Barinka in San Francisco. So, Alex, first of all, what are we expecting to hear from Peter Zatko on Capitol Hill tomorrow?
3: Yeah, so I think that that the hearing tomorrow will probably follow um, two lanes of conversation. There will be questions around uh, the data privacy concerns, um, around the, the bots and fake accounts, That Zatco has alleged that the company either ignored or didn't disclose. But I also expect uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee to focus on some more of the data privacy issues that legislators care about um, that might be a little less relevant to the acquisition, but increasingly relevant as DC has been able to push through antitrust legislation, but has not gotten a lot of traction on data privacy. So they might take this opportunity to lean into some of those themes as well.
1: Now, Jeff, Elon Musk is trying to use new information that Twitter signed a $7 million separation agreement with uh, Peter Zatko back in June. Musk trying to use that as a reason to cancel the deal. You know, what exactly is he trying to say here?
4: Well, he's basically saying that that payment constituted something outside the ordinary course of business. When you have these buyout agreements going on, one of the provisions that's often in there says that the seller has to continue to run the business in the ordinary course. Mr. Musk's contention is this $7 million severance payment was somehow tied to silencing Mr. Zatko so that he would not bring forth his uh, his complaints publicly so that that he claims is another reason that there's been a material adverse event and he should be able to cancel the deal.
1: It does sound like a lot of money seven million dollars to get this guy to go away Alex and then he ends up you know blowing the whistle Anyway, can you tell us a little bit more about what happened here between Zatco and Twitter? Yeah, Emily, the sticker shock that
3: you're having might be some of the reason why Musk feels like he can lean into this as an argument that um, this type of settlement should have been brought to his camp and is outside the regular course of business. So uh, this was a guy who is an executive on the security side, was brought in a number of years back and oversaw a lot of the um, important kind of security pieces and the teams that worked on those things internally at Twitter. So um, he is a person who, you know, claims that he has kind of insider knowledge on this. The company says, well, look, uh, you could have actually made some changes on these things. So there's an interesting um, kind of back and forth here. Emily, I will point out, um, it has been reported that in that settlement agreement, he was still allowed to blow the whistle um, to to, gov- to the government if there were any issues. So um, $7 million, definitely sticker shock. Um, definitely uh, that kind of third strike that Elon is claiming uh, allows him to get out of the deal, um, but uh, did leave that door open for us to hear from uh, Peter Zatko tomorrow morning.
1: Now, Jeff, has a judge weighed in on this latest request from Musk and this latest information about uh, the separation agreement? And if not, what are we gonna hear from her?
4: Well, the judge has allowed Mr. Musk to amend his counterclaims in the case to add the whistleblower's allegations. I wanna point out that the $7 million payment may be contractual. We do not know if this was per a severance agreement with Mr. Zatko. So I wouldn't automatically recoil at the $7 million number. Uh, We still need to find out what that's all about. Uh, I doubt we're gonna learn that tomorrow either.
1: So how are you expecting this testimony from Zatko tomorrow to be folded into the case that of course is building up to this trial coming up in mid-october jeff
4: his his testimony tomorrow about the national security stuff and potential spies within twitter's employee uh uh, group are the things that the senators are going to be focusing on the folks that, that we're concerned about is going to be his his allegation that he raised the question about how many spam and robot accounts were embedded within the customer base, and the Twitter, his colleagues' lack of interest in finding that out. That's the key question in the trial coming up because that's where Mr. Musk has put all his chips in terms of defense arguments. Well,
1: clearly uh, both parties are gonna be watching this this testimony with bated breath. Uh, Alex, any word from Twitter about the latest salvo or how any of this potentially changes their plans?
3: So uh, they basically came out and said, look, we don't buy the argument that the separation agreement um, is a viable excuse. Um, I know that the Twitter camp will also be watching this very closely, as will a lot of the shareholders um, who are potentially making their voices heard and the shareholder vote tomorrow. Um, I would think if things go really far down the line of privacy concerns, if um, there's a lot of kind of interest in the data security piece that are unrelated to the acquisition, uh, that would just be another thing to add to the list of Twitter CEOs kind of... Um, big-ticket items to care about. Twitter has not been brought in to D.C. as often as a lot of the larger social media peers. Um, So I think uh, internally you could argue there's a lot of distractions going on at the company right now, and if they do get some traction um, in terms of legislators' arguments that data privacy should be more important than, Emily, I would add that to the list of uh, kind of some of these ancillary concerns that are outside of just operating the business.
1: All right, Alex Barinka, Jeff Feely uh, continuing to cover this evolving legal drama for us. Thank you both for joining us. Meantime, a story that we continue to watch. Intel is scaling back expectations for its mobile IPO. According to Bloomberg Sources, the move could delay the share sale until next year if market conditions don't improve. Intel expects the IPO to value the self-driving tech business at As much as $30 billion, Reuters and others reported earlier potential valuations of more than $50 billion. All right, coming up, how Amazon and other streaming giants are disrupting one of the bastions of traditional television, that is sports broadcasting rights. A top Amazon executive with us next. This is Bloomberg. It is a historic week for sports broadcasting. This Thursday, Amazon Prime Video kicks off an 11-year, $13 billion deal. This is the first time a streaming service has had exclusive rights to NFL games in the United States and a big challenge to major networks. Amazon told advertisers it expects an average audience of 12.6 million viewers per game, this according to The Wall Street Journal. Vice President of Amazon Global Sports Video, Marie Jonahue, is the architect of Amazon's live sports ambitions, and she joins us now to discuss. So a huge week, Marie, for Amazon, uh, and and for the first time, fans are going to have to log on to Amazon Prime Video to see this big game on Thursday nights. Does this seem like a turning point to you in sports broadcasting?
5: Absolutely. I mean, I, I look honestly. I think this will be as big as when the NFL went to cable back in 1987. You know, we know how NFL games legitimized and grew the cable cable business, and we think the same thing can happen for streaming. So you led negotiations
1: for this 13 billion dollar, 11 year deal. It is a massive deal. How did you convince? the NFL, that Amazon was the place to be.
5: Right. Well, you know, the NFL cares important, cares a lot about scale and reach. And we've got that. We've got that better than any better, better than any other streaming service. They also care about production. And they knew we we showed in Europe and we also showed by our work in the US, that we can produce the best broadcast for fans. It's incredibly important to them. And one of the most exciting things for me is they care about innovation. You know, the the NFL has been able to stay top of mind for sports fans for decades because they innovate and they move forward and they have that confidence. And that that's the biggest, that was one of the biggest tenets in our deal with the NFL. We agreed to push each other and to continue to push each other on innovating on behalf of sports fans. And it's something that's personally really exciting and, and something that really excites the team.
1: What are your goals with audience numbers? I, I understand we've got this Wall Street Journal number that you're expecting 12.6 million viewers. Is that correct? Um, I also understand uh, the typical viewership is more like 16.5 million audience are you hoping or thinking that you can get there or bigger?
5: Right, well, you know, our number one focus is delivering the absolute best broadcast for fans. And the trends are in our favor. Everyone knows that more and more fans, particularly sports fans, are moving to streaming. Things, this won't happen overnight. This is an 11 year deal, but we feel really strongly that if you start with fans, you serve the fans, they will come. And so we're excited. We, we had our preseason game two weeks ago, and the reaction from fans was just fabulous. And we're really excited to get on the field this Thursday. Thursday, the Chargers
1: taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, talk to us then about how this benefits Amazon more broadly. You know, what what's gonna be your measure of success? Is it driving audience numbers? Is it driving more Prime memberships? Is it getting more customers to buy more Amazon products?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So I I hate to sound repetitive, but at Amazon, we start with customers. I call them sports fans. And so number one, we think we can serve sports fans better. We can serve customers better. But we wouldn't be in this if we didn't think we could improve the experience and make it better for fans. But absolutely, as you said, Emily, there are great business opportunities here. Number one, we Prime. Prime Video is a membership service, so we can attract more members to Prime. There are plenty of people who have Prime who maybe have don't even haven't streamed video on Prime Video. And then there are other sh- folks who come in for Thursday night football and find things like Lord of the Rings. So we think particularly in the Prime membership, opportunity is huge. We think that opportunity is huge for us. And you know, we haven't even talked about advertising. You know, advertising, this is a game changer for advertising for at Amazon. We have a very strong business already, but you can't beat, this is the most premium video advertising inventory out there. So it's a huge game changer for us in terms of advertising. So how do you
1: plan to leverage targeted advertising and do some things differently that maybe a traditional network wouldn't be able to do given all of the data and other ways you have to reach your customers?
5: Right, well, I would start with, you know, we've done a deal with Nielsen. So we we actually are the first streamer to do a deal with Nielsen. So we'll have ratings every week. So we think that's really important because that is what advertisers and the industry follows are Nielsen ratings. On top of that, as you say, we have first party data, and we'll use that data not only to measure our fans and to and and to serve. Um, to serve them better, but also to serve advertisers better. We can actually use that first-party data to make the advertising more relevant, more targeted, more directed. So it's an incredible opportunity.
1: Now, talk to us about the experience. Is there going to be a pregame show, a halftime show, sideline reporters? How is this going to be different than a traditional network experience? Right.
5: So... So, first of all, we start, with, we start with the basics. We have the best. We think we will have the best game broadcast in the business. I mean, I've been in sports 20 years, and you always have to remember it starts and ends with the game. So we've got iconic broadcasters like Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. We've got Kaylee Hartung on the sidelines. This will be the absolute broadcast. We've got more cameras than anybody. So when you turn on your big screen television or whatever device or on every piece of glass, whatever you watch the game, you can sit back and relax. And enjoy that huge big screen experience. But on top of that, as you mentioned, Emily, we're, we're an OTT service, so we're not satisfied with that. The bar for us is really high. We want to innovate, so we're going to offer all sorts of innovation and custom customized experience for fans. We'll have alternate feeds. You can watch the game. You can sit down and watch with your family and watch the dudes, dude, perfect. Or you can go. You can. Um, you can explore our x-ray experience, which is actually, without ever leaving the game, you can see all sorts of data and statistics and replays. The point of x-ray is actually to put the Tools that normally you have to wait for a producer or a director to say, "Oh, let me see that replay. Let me show you some extra stats." We're going to put that in the hands of fans. And then, of course, we have all the content around the game. So we have pre-game, post-game. We'll have a great late-night show, and we've got the best, the best talent in the business. There, we've got Car- Carissa Thompson. We've got. Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez. We've got two guys right off the field, Richard Sherman and Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're going to be amazing. The conversation these guys have, they were on the field with these guys just last year. So they'll take fans literally inside the thinking of the players on the field. And then we've got a great surrounding cast. And then we've got, we're also going to offer the game and the programming on Twitch. Remember we have Twitch, which is an incredibly young, an incredibly young, um, interactive audience. And, you know, Twitch is all about watching with your community. So we're excited, we're going to expand the communal nature of sports through Twitch. And then on top of it, we've got some shows during the rest of the week. So we are going to surround fans all week. And as you can tell from my excitement, we're, we're just thrilled to get going.
1: You know, I I assume you've got some contingency plans, you know, are, are you sure all cable fans are going to be able to find the game? Are you planning for any kind of onboarding issues or an onslaught of onboarding issues potentially?
5: Absolutely. So we're on every piece of glass, as I mentioned. And if you come to any Amazon service, you're not going to be able to miss this game. And it'll be seamless and it'll be easy. But also, we've got great third party marketing too to also help you. But of course, we're prepared. We've done this in Europe. We've done this in other places in the US. We actually have all sorts of online tools and we're old school. We also have phone numbers you can call. And we actually put extra people on hand because we know that it's incredibly frustrating when you call the sometimes when you call those services and you don't get an answer we will have literally thousands of people ready to take those phone calls if needed so we're incredibly excited we've been preparing for this for years this is really hard work and it's really complicated and we've been building at it building towards it for years we think we're the company in the best no other companies in position to serve a game like this to a concurrent concurrent audience like we're going to experience this season. So the big
1: question, of course, then, is what next? Is Amazon planning to bid on any of the remaining college sports rights or the NBA? What else do you have coming?
5: Well, obviously, I can't talk about specifics. But what I can tell you, Emily, is we approach everything from the sports fan perspective. So the first thing we do is we say how do fans consume this content? Is there a way we can do better? Is there a way we can serve those fans better? And of course, then what can we do differently? And does it make sense for us? So there's literally, I can't really think of any sports rights we don't look at. I mean, we're in business with the NFL. We're in business with the Yankees. You know, We provide local games exclusively in New York. So we're excited. The partners who are willing to come with us are the ones who are forward focused Fan focused and really want to go as you know the the old Wayne Gretzky want to go where the puck is going, not where it's been. So, last quick question: I know you used to work at ESPN.
1: Amazon has a huge content budget. I wonder if you're also thinking about making new sports content. You know, I I believe you were involved in the Thirty for Thirty series. Um, you know, and and maybe original sports documentaries and other ways that you can build out Amazon as a big player in where you go to see things about sports.
5: Absolutely. So we've already started that, Emily. We've got a series all or nothing that we've done in the U.S. and Europe. We've got great, great success with that. And actually, five months ago, we started a separate sports group. In, in my group, we're hiring or staffing up if anybody, any young filmmakers out there want to come work with us. So we're excited. We think when you have those that additional content, not only is it valuable on its own, we have a high bar, we want it to be excellent content, but it also engages fans more with the athletes and the teams that then we show on live events. It's a really great um ecosystem to get going. And we 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 found that in Europe when we have our all or nothings on the Premier League teams, we notice that those fans understand and appreciate those players and those teams even more when they understand what they've gone through and seen behind this and, and seen behind the scenes.
1: All right. Uh, Marie Donahue, I believe I got you got to catch a flight to Kansas City. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us. Amazon Global Sports Video Vice President. Excited to see how it all shakes out on Thursday. We're going to be right back. This is Bloomberg. Early indicators suggest Apple's iPhone 14 pre-orders are stronger than expected. Pre-order data showing that the iPhone 14 Pro Max is the best-selling model and orders for the iPhone 14 are tracking slightly ahead of the iPhone 13. Wedbush saying it's seeing strong demand trends and estimates 240 million of the 1 billion total iPhone users haven't upgraded their phones. In nearly four years, Apple shares popping on the news the most since May. Coming up, Micron breaking ground on a new fab in Idaho. CEO Sanjay Rotra with us next. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. Trevor Milton, the founder and former executive chair of Nikola, went on trial starting this week, charged with lying about the company's products to mislead investors and prop up the stock. Let's get back to New York and Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow, who was in court today for the first stages. Ed, what happened?
2: Yeah, so Trevor Milton faces two counts of securities fraud, two counts of wire fraud. And and you're right, Em, that prosecutors have to prove that A, Trevor Milton lied about the company's technology and its products, and that in so doing, he misled investors and also, therefore, that investors made the choice to invest in his company, Nikola, based on that information. He arrived... Monday morning, Southern District of New York here in Manhattan for the trial, which was supposed to take place in, Ju- in July, but Judge Edgardo Ramos granted the delay until September 12th, Monday, so that they could take on that fourth count of wire fraud. It's a five-week trial, so we started Monday with jury selection. Tuesday, we expect opening arguments with the prosecution having around three weeks to present their evidence, and then the defence will come in. And the burden of proof is on the prosecution here. This trial could run for around five weeks through to the end of October. And as I say, the focus for the prosecution is convincing the jury that, A, Trevor Milton lied, misled investors about the company's progress, its technology, what it had actually achieved, but also that investors, retail investors in particular, were moved. Or motivated to invest in the stock for that reason. You'll remember at its peak, this was the poster child of the 2021 SPAC wave of EV companies that went public virus back. And at one point, it had a market cap greater than Ford. Things are very different now, Em.
1: All right. Ed Ludlow, thank you. We'll continue to wait for your updates as the trial progresses. Meantime, Micron just broke ground on a new memory manufacturing fab in Boise, Idaho, the first of its kind in the U.S. in 20 years. The chipmaker plans to invest roughly $15 billion on the plan over the next several years, making it the largest private investment ever made in the state. I caught up with micron ceo Sandre mayrotra in an exclusive interview earlier take a listen to what he had to say
6: we have been uh, our research and development technology leader from boise for decades and now being able to combine it with leading-edge memory manufacturing technology, this will just accelerate time to market of new technologies, new solutions for the benefit of the customers, as well as, of course, driving U.S. leadership in semiconductor technology. So this is a big day, this is a big announcement, and this is enabled by CHIPS Act, which was just signed by President Biden a month ago, Uh, Because that is really important in terms of leveling the playing field. So this is very exciting. It will bring 17,000 jobs here in Idaho over the course of the rest of the decade. Uh, We will be uh, starting production sometime in 2025. Of course, construction to start sometime in 2023. And uh, this will be transformative. And we'll be bringing on production, of course, in line with the industry's uh, demand.
1: Now, Micron, of course, already has many plants across Asia. How does this impact operations globally? Does this mean you'll always consider building in the U.S. first?
6: Uh, of course, uh, we have, as you noted, well-diversified footprint across Asia for our manufacturing. And again, Chips Act now enables the leveling the playing field Uh, whereby now the production can become cost effective with the support of grants from chips and investment tax credits. So of course we will continue to invest in our plants in Asia as well. But when we look at the demand for memory, by 2030 timeframe, semiconductor memory demand is expected to double in terms of revenue opportunity that requires new wafer capacity. That's why we started this plant here, uh, announced this plant here, and actually had the ceremony uh, that uh, launches the construction for this plant. Uh, And this will basically enable us, this will basically enable us to meet the growing demand for the 2030 era for semiconductor memory technology. Of course, we'll keep investing in technology transitions in our overseas plants as well.
1: Is the money that's been set aside by the U.S. government enough? Others have called it a start.
6: That's right. It's a good start. And uh, the support in terms of CHIPS grants as well as investment tax credits will help us level the playing field with foreign governments, which have been supporting investments in semiconductors in their uh, countries for a very long time. Of course, companies like Micron will uh, continue to invest from their operating cash flow as well as from the balance sheet, and of course, big part of the investments will come from Micron, but the CHIPS grants are absolutely essential. Without CHIPS, we would not have been able to make this investment, this announcement today.
0: Do you have
1: any concerns that it's governments and not market forces setting the agenda for what is needed, and that that could, down the line, create excess capacity?
6: It is extremely important, as I, and as I noted earlier, that we will be bringing on production in the future in line, with the industry demand projections, the end market demand projections. And of course, uh, each of the companies that is bringing their own semiconductor production up uh, will be managing, should be managing, and I can speak for Micron, we will of course be managing with discipline our supply growth, keeping an eye on demand growth and keeping them uh, balanced to the best of our abilities.
1: Now, you and Micron warned about slowing demand about a month ago, which triggered a broader concern about uh, a slump across uh, the chip industry overall. What can you tell us about demand uh, as you see it now? Is it indeed slowing down? And if so, how much?
6: Uh, This is for the memory industry, for the semiconductor memory industry. This is a challenging environment, primarily driven by inventory adjustments that our customers across various end markets are making. And that's uh, really impacting the industry demand and supply balance. Uh, of course, we have taken actions in this regard in terms of adjusting our supply growth plans for the future. But you know, um, Emily, very well that in semiconductors, actions taken it takes a while before the results are achieved. Mm-hmm. So it will take us few quarters before I believe industry demand and supply and uh, balance will be restored. But what's important here is what we are announcing today is about. the long-term future, the demand drivers for long-terms, AI, 5G, autonomous, and of course across data center, industrial, automotive, those demand drivers in terms of consumption of memory requirement for the long-term are intact. And that's why to meet that growing demand requirement of the future, investments need to be made now because there's a long lead time to build these fabs and the production will only start in the second half of this decade. And it will of course be managed in line with the demand projections for the future.
1: So clearly a huge step for Micron breaking ground on this fab today. I'm curious what you think this means for the broader industry, though, if demand uh, is slowing or, you know, at least for a few quarters, as you say, how long do you think we could be in a cycle of oversupply, you know, not just where Micron is concerned, but across the broader chip industry?
6: So look, inventory adjustments take a while to work through the system. And uh, I can tell you that memory industry tends to be cyclical, but what's important is that the health of the memory industry is really ultimately driven by long-term demand trends. And I think that's important, that uh, as you know, near-term perturbations take place due to factors such as inventory adjustments, actions are taken fast to bring demand and supply in balance. But of course, it takes a while, it takes few quarters for that demand supply to get in balance. But important thing is that actions are taken fast. We are being responsive in that regard, but we are also managing for the long haul, the long long haul in terms of the growing demand, needing more investments in order to meet the requirements of our customers as we look ahead the second half of this decade.
1: There's of course been a lot of talk about the competition between the U.S. and China on this front. Just how big is China in the memory market in particular? And is it something that the U.S. government should be concerned about?
6: So there are uh, Chinese companies with the support of the Chinese government, you know, that have been making certain progress with respect to the memory. And of course, you know, these are taken into account when we look at overall industry supply and the industry supply growth expectations of the future. And what we are here doing at Micron is continuing to stay ahead in terms of the technology capability. Of course, we always want a level playing field and of course, respect for intellectual property, but we have to continue to drive our own technology roadmap Today, Emily Micron is a leader, global leader in semiconductor DRAM as well as NAND technology. And this is where, right from here in Boise, the teams that have produced tremendous amount of innovation that in the future we'll be able to combine with bringing into manufacturing right here as well. These are all CHIPS Act enabled activities that actually ultimately help secure the national security of the U.S. as well by having manufacturing of critical um, infrastructure needs, the chips being made here in the future in the semiconductor industry.
1: Micron CEO Sanjay Mehrocha there. All right. Coming up, the future of sports. Could it be NFTs? We're going to talk about that with So Rare COO Ryan Spoon next. This is Bloomberg.
7: Some work to do i know security being a big a big part of that and you're seeing some of the cybersecurity um investment uh investing going way up but um, in the grand scheme and you look at the thesis of the blockchain and nfts to how it should work um, it definitely gives the athlete the opportunity to go uh, directly to this fan base it gives the fan uh you know insights that's a lot different and it's essentially cutting out the middleman
1: That was NBA champion and investor Andre Iguodala speaking about the intersection of sports and NFTs. Let's dive deeper into this conversation in our crypto report now with fantasy sports and blockchain company So Rare, which is backed by, among others, tennis great Serena Williams. The company has already inked partnerships with Major League Soccer and Major League Baseball and is now adding the NBA with the first free-to-play fantasy game-based on digital cards. So Rare COO Ryan Spoon joins us now for more on this deal. So talk to us, Ryan, about how this partnership with the NBA came together.
8: First, thanks for having me. Um, It came together. it's, It's just a very natural evolution. You heard Andre talk there about the importance of and the opportunities that blockchain enables. Uh, We all know I spent years at ESPN on the digital side, um, how important and fun uh, and how fast growing fantasy is. Uh, We know that on the collectible side. So when you tie fantasy and collectibles uh, with the blockchain on a global scale, the NBA is a perfect, perfect product and partner. Uh, and it's our third launch. Uh, as you mentioned, we have a big global soccer, uh, global football game and community that's been very successful. Uh, a couple months ago, we announced and then launched our MLB partnership, and so we're MLB. And we're super excited to be doing this with the NBA right up around the, uh, the upcoming season launch.
1: This puts you in competition with NBA Top Shot. How do your platforms stack up?
8: So we are very specifically focused on NFT-based games. Uh, So players collect their cards. You come in uh, and everyone, once you register, you get a free set of cards. And with those cards, you play the game. And the game, you're managing the cards. Uh, So like a fantasy draft, but instead of ESPN, uh who i know and love and spent time this weekend doing my my fantasy drafts here the player has the agency to pick and manage uh his or her roster as you do that you end up collecting cards as rewards that's very different i've admiration for top shot i've admiration uh and i'm a user of a lot of other platforms but in our space, the fantasy based games, uh, we are the leader, and these relationships are also, um, you know, this is the lane that we are exclusively focused on, and we think we um, have demonstrated real leadership in.
1: Now, you've launched soccer and baseball NFT projects previously, no surprise, Aaron Judge and Shohair Tani are the most used cards, what kind of traction have you seen?
8: So soccer soccer has obviously a uh, larger runway. It is very uh, successful. There's a very large community behind it. Obviously, it's a global game. Uh, the user base on our side is global. The traction is global. And when I say geographically diverse, it really is from all segments of the world we closed last year and we still believe we're in early days we closed last year doing 325 million in card sales uh on the platform we exceeded that in the first two quarters of the year and now you begin to uh to introduce MLB we did that uh end of July the traction there has been really positive uh and encouraging um Also a global footprint, which we think is important. Baseball is a really excellent product here Um, and sport because of the stats based nature, the movement, the surprise and NBA is going to be fantastic. We all know um, how important the stars are and the players. And for what it's, you know, it's worth noting our deal on the NBA side is with both the NBA and the NBA PA. Um, So these are licensed uh, player driven cards. Um, and I also think it's worth noting that MLB's biggest day on the platform was when we announced NBA last week. Uh, and so that's a really important example of how we think all these sports can fit together, how the global nature of these games hopefully works together. Uh, and this concept of being able to collect a Giannis card, uh, or a Mike Trout uh, or Kylian Mbappe and do that across the entire platform that's a really big exciting idea.
1: All right, good stuff. Ryan Spoon, COO of So Rare. Well, Andre is excited about it that um, should get some folks excited. Thanks Ryan so much for joining Thank us. Thank you very All right, coming up, Blue Origin's aborted rocket launch. We're going to have all the details on what went wrong and what happens next. This is Bloomberg. of its suborbital new shepherd rocket moments after takeoff this happened in west texas and it is the first major failure for jeff bezos's company in several years bloomberg's lauren grush joins us now from austin with more details. so lauren what happened
9: well we actually don't have a lot of details at the moment basically all we know is what we Saw on the live stream of the the launch today, this was a pretty regular routine launch for Blue Origin. They were launching uh, research payloads, many of which were funded by NASA. No people were on board, thankfully, but it was meant to be a pretty regular launch for them sending these payloads to space and back. And then sometime a little after a minute into the launch, Something seemed to go wrong with the engine and it triggered the abort, uh, escape system for the capsule.
1: How significant is a failure like this in what would have been a pretty routine launch?
9: I think Blue Origin got really lucky today because there was no people on board. They have a pretty good track record when it comes to their their flights. They only really suffered one partial failure really early in their testing regime. So this is the first time in pretty much all of New Shepard's history that they've had a major failure like this. So I think it's it's probably going to be a while before we see New Shepard fly again.
1: So what is next here, Um, you know, when something like this happens, a significant failure like this, do you go back to the drawing board, you know, can years pass uh, potentially, as we've seen with NASA before someone else, uh, before they, they, they try to attempt this once again?
9: Yeah, it really depends on the source of the failure. The FAA already said today that they're going to be looking into this. Uh, Fortunately, no one was hurt today. And the booster that you saw break away from that capsule uh, fell into a hazard, a designated hazard zone. So ultimately, everyone is safe. But yes, the FAA said they will look into it and New Shepard won't fly again until they get to the root of the problem. And It really, like I said, depends on on what the source of the issue is. You know, with these commercial companies, they can be a little bit more nimble when it comes to return to flight. We've seen SpaceX return to flight pretty quickly after um, some anomalies in the past. And so maybe it could be similar for Blue Origin. We just can't say for sure because we really don't know what, what caused it.
1: Can you put this into the context of Blue Origin's broader ambitions? Of course, you know, I was there the day Jeff Bezos went into space. They have sent uh, other folks up there, uh, celebrities uh, uh, up, up there. You know, talk to us about how this fits into the broader and longer term plans. You know, of course, he's talked about this space colony and more.
9: Well, I think it might be a tad worrying for folks who might have a ticket to fly with Blue Origin. You know, this is, this was a, a rocket specific specifically geared toward launching payloads, but it is essentially the same rocket that they use to send people to the edge of space and back. However, some comfort can be had in the fact that it kind of worked as intended, this in-flight abort system. Basically, what you saw is as soon as the, the system detected there was a problem with the rocket, motors fired on the bottom of the capsule and immediately separated the capsule from the rocket and that landed safely in the desert so presumably if there had been people on board they would have been just fine and would have landed safely can't say for sure and thankfully there weren't any people on board um but the system did seem to work as designed so there is some comfort in that but you know i might i'm if i had a ticket i might yeah, be a little nervous in the future.
1: <laughs> All right, point taken. Bloomberg's Lauren Grash, who covers space for us. Thank you so much for that update. And that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Tuesday, Melinda Gates will be joining us to talk about her foundation's efforts to fight poverty and gender gaps. And don't forget to check out our podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg.
10: Life's better with a financial partner like Ameris Bank. From opening your first savings account to funding your kids' college tuition, we're with you. From a
11: flash of a business idea to growing that company just as fast, we're We're with with you. you.
10: From buying a home to tackling the renovations to make it truly yours, we're We're with with you. You You have big plans, financial questions, and decisions to make. And for every idea, life goal, and new venture, we're we're with with you you all the way. way. Visit AmerisBank.com slash with you to get started. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
11: Wherever you are on your financial journey, at Ameris Bank, we're with you. From setting up your new bank account. You're all set. To expanding your business's footprint. We're with you. From savings plans that advance college funds. To graduation milestones worth celebrating. With every big step. and baby step. We're with you all the way. Visit AmerisBank.com slash with you. And let's turn those money questions into financial peace of mind. Amerisbank Bank. Member FDIC. Equal Housing Lender.
12: Hey everyone, I'm Braden Cruz, your host with Sooner Marketing Solutions, where my job is to figure out ways to get you attention.
13: Abel Rodriguez with ARC Outdoorsman, where we are creating and maintaining your outdoor living.
7: Chance
14: Jones with Threaded Industries, where we are a clothing brand built upon giving back. Stone Shoe, Stone Coat Outflow, Seamless Guttering, Got Flow.
12: Welcome to the Brews and Business Podcast, where you can step into the shoes of everyday small business owners and entrepreneurs, as you'll hear the stories and experiences to help your business grow. What we're drinking today is uh, Modelo. Thank you to Stone Shoe. Yes, sir. Usually we're drinking coffee and I'll make those caramel macchiatos, or those little cloud ones, you know, where I whip it and it all, it's delicious. Um, I'm your host, Braden Cruz. I'm a Sooner Marketing Recording live here at the Blue Studio. I've got uh, Chance here with Threaded Industries. How are you? Doing well, how are you? I'm doing great. Stone True, Stone Code, Downflow. What's up, man? What up, man? And Ashley Strain, our guest today. She's with Tally Investments. She's a local real estate investor. And uh, can we call you a serial networker?
15: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I... Yeah, lots of networking. I feel like the beginning of the month is always like a meeting somewhere. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
12: So today we wanted to take Mm -hmm. uh, the next approximately 45 minutes and kind of talk about some lessons that we've learned in business. And that can be recent. That could be some things from the very beginning. Um, Just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts. And um, Stone, Chance, do you guys have anything in mind that you guys – has been sitting around and you're like, man, I
7: really want to share this.
12: Is there any recent lesson that you've learned? And you're like, man, somebody needs to know this.
7: <laughs> you want to go first or you want me to go? Go ahead. Okay. Um, honestly, the biggest thing that I have to say is don't try to perfect everything off the bat. You know, 80% is good enough to start a lot of things. And you can refine that last 20% over the next week or two. You know, just get the stuff out there, get started on it. That way it puts you more on a deadline to actually go, go, go.
12: Yeah, So you don't
7: have to be 100% to do something.
12: Yeah, and that kind of goes into our first thoughts about, like, there'll never be the right time or the perfect time time. to just do it, you know? So, like, sometimes people want to have it, like, all perfectly planned and set up and prepared to where it's just like, ABC happens, you know, one after the next. And sometimes that's nice. Like, you need to have some sort of planning and forecasting to before you just jump ship <laughs> right yeah. but um but also be ready to be adaptable yeah to adapt change
7: right. and being willing to pivot and knowing hey man this isn't kind of going how i want it to so let's try this yeah you know
12: i'm adapting on like a day-to-day basis <laughs> a week yeah. to a weekly basis like so there's there's days in the last couple of weeks where i've had a plan to like go to oklahoma city or um I don't know, do all these different tasks that I need to do or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden I'm not going to Oklahoma city anymore. Right. And then two hours later, it's like, okay, you're going to Oklahoma city now. (laughs) Like, It's like, okay. So you know, learn to adapt. And even like some of the small ways, but
14: I was supposed to do three jobs today. I didn't do any. Why? Mm. Just didn't feel like it. Okay. (laughs) No.
15: That's so encouraging. I, <laughs> I know. Roll So with punches, encouraging.
14: You know? nah, it, was, it was payday and I had to come see you guys. Yeah. You guys were more of a priority. There you go. You guys are more of a
12: priority, huh? Yeah. Exactly. Look, All, of you. <laughs> you it, really All of you. You're looking at it. You're
14: like, you. All of you.
12: So, um, what do you have any ideas on like starting a safety net? What's that? Having a safety net. What do like, you consider a safety net? Right? I don't know. Let's let's. Because like you that.
15: talked about networking earlier, and like that could be a pretty good safety net, but it also depends on like what industry you're doing. Like his safety net, his safety net, my safety net, your safety net are all going to be different. But I think what's important at the end of the day is like, why are you doing what you're doing? Like we were just talking before why. we started about like what you were doing and right. like your ideal client, and like why is that important to you and. If you're just working for money, then it's gonna be really hard to stay motivated every day because when your bills are paid, you're like
7: Okay, what next? All right. Yeah.
15: My job is done. So what's your other motivation? And that's why I was asking you a lot of those questions, like, right. well, why this or why that? Because every person's different. Yeah. And so I think when you look at like what are you doing to improve every day? Like you don't have to be sixty percent or a hundred percent or whatever, but Just pick like a little tiny thing. Like maybe you only had three jobs scheduled and you didn't get any done today. Like try to just get one done tomorrow, you know, or whatever that might be. I mean, just making really small steps. Like if you're trying to grow a business, you don't have to go fast, but just doing little small steps that eventually make like a big impact. You know, you can't have a big goal and then just be like, oh, flip.
7: Yeah. Right. So. so, so what is your driving factor behind why? Really, why is your?
15: I so I really like um, helping people. So my background, like I didn't get into real estate like the traditional way, like go be a realtor, and uh, I didn't have any family that was in real estate. I actually went and got my undergrad in molecular biology. I wanted to go to medical school and be a PA. I did that for a year and a half and had to come back home and for some family stuff and but I was really driven to help people and the position and the spot that I'm in real estate now I help people that are usually in circumstances that they don't know how to get out out of because their resources aren't out there so right. if someone is in if someone's house is in really rough condition and it can't go on market or they have some family issues for whatever reason they don't want it to be out there in the public like there are reasons for that. There are houses that I see that are like great and they should go on the market. Um, but I feel like I get to connect to those people and help them in a way that not a lot of other people can help them. So that's what I really like. And then it flows into other things like working with other businesses is great, but I've had some own personal stuff where it's like really hard. And sometimes you just need somebody that has the right resource to be able to help you move forward. So that's my kind of why, but I've sat with that for a long time. So I didn't expect you to have a.
12: So would you say it'd be, it's part of like a safety net. It'd be important to build a few really good relationships with some people that can not just encourage you or support you, Kind of mentally or emotionally through the processes and stuff, or just kind of share their network as well, right?
15: Right, and I think accountability can be a lot of that too, because like I feel like your your net, the people that you're around all the time are going to be the ones that challenge you. So if you guys are meeting every week, and he's like, "Well, I only did this many jobs, or I did this, or I want to sell this many shirts, or do this type of stuff," and you come back next week, and you're like, "Hey, did you sell those shirts?" Like, all week you're thinking, I'm going to have to go back and be on that podcast and be like, did I do what I committed to do? Right. And so that, like, just a little bit of extra accountability isn't like a, here, this is going to give you a better tax write-off, or here's a better expense sheet. But, like, as a person, can you run it a little bit better and hold your own self accountable? It doesn't matter what you do. If you don't follow up with what you say you're going to do, then... Yeah. Why do it? Right.
12: When did you get started in the whole realm that you're in?
15: So I, my cousin's a home inspector, and she first told me about wholesaling. Which wholesaling's changed as of November first last year. It's a little bit different now. I first heard about that in May of 2021, and so I not start, that long ago. No. So when I started doing um, wholesaling and reaching out to sellers and buyers and really. I taught myself everything, mostly through YouTube and a lot of networking. I started in the Tulsa Real Estate Investor Association early part of that year and met a lot of different people. They have speakers every month, different topics, different things. I mean, most of the people that I've met over the last year and a half, I had no idea what they were going to mean to me or be a part of my life of how they are now. So I think that that's why networking is so valuable. Like Hmm. business is business, personal is personal. Business is business, personal is personal. But like if we're talking about business and I want to try to help you in that, like I want to figure out how can I bring more of your ideal clients for you?
7: You're right. Because
15: and like for him, the same thing, like there's a lot of people that do gutters. But like, do you need this? contractor that's down here or here or here or like he may not want to go do some jobs because it's not worth the time for him to go do right versus some jobs are going to be way too big and he's gonna be like no man i don't i don't want to do that you know that's somebody else maybe you know so i think learning people and what their needs are is is really helpful in that and sometimes you can't pay but you can offer your time oh yeah you know
14: so first house closes when?
15: Uh nine twenty-three in a week and a half. The other house is Congrats. on market. Thank you. About that one in December. And then I had COVID and spent some time with the family in the hospital for a couple months. Moved twice. Hired a really bad contractor one time. That was cool. That who? was a great inst who? Yeah, um, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
12: so, you know, one of the things I've had, um, is I think, it, I don't know, I wouldn't say a problem with, but like trying to find good people to network with or to networking like create relationships with that are not going to like these networking events that are more of like referral groups. So I'm like, I don't know uh, the. It's a different type of people there that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of networking, at least from what I found in right. the groups that I found. I want to f- network with people that are like, Mine's off, it's still doing it. typically typically like at the next level, right? Or, or at least like similar to my level so that I can be like, I don't know, I want to tell someone that's above me. Right. Both in like uh, a number of employees or revenue or multiple companies that have experienced A, B, and C, you know, like that's the kind of networking that I like. you yeah. just
7: rather talk to someone who has more experience. Yeah.
12: And one-to-one is my kind of networking. So like if we go out for coffee and we've never met before, that's great networking. Like those one to Build that relationship. Yeah. And then do that- I mean, if we don't work together, fine. But if we get together once a quarter or once every six months, that's great. And then, like, kind of stay in the loop on social media with each other. Like, oh, cool. Like, Ashley's been doing this. like mentoring. Yeah, like, we follow Well, I don't know. Mentoring, to me, like, is where I actually dedicate time to you. Like, where we work together on a monthly basis. Like, I am here to support you and answer any questions that you have. Like, you call or text or email me. Like, I'm your mentor. But, like, if Ashley and I aren't working together... We can still stay in the loop and still kind of stay in comms through like social media, like TikTok. So
15: that's like a bunch of acquaintances, right?
12: Mm. Well, no, they're more than just acquaintances. They're more than just somebody that I've met. So like, I don't know, Mason and I at this point, like if we wind up staying in touch through social media or, you know, he he's uh, scheduled to come on september's 30th podcast episode
15: y'all are going to be so much more friends than like once every month couple of months <laughs> on facebook like probably <laughs> my point is like through the networking and stuff that i've done you can have like a 150 people in your network that you can talk to you
7: oh easily yeah
15: like that you can actually so where do you find those people a- so
12: answer answer some groups, of the people like, that want to where like um, what are so the groups Tulsa real
15: estate investor group is one that's mostly tall Like real estate investors, there's different contractors that go there. There's a lot of different needs. That's why I was asking about the t-shirts because, like, people need shirts. They need other things. So, might be able to expand that a little bit to be able to get, I don't know, other stuff. We'll have to just talk more because I don't know a ton about the threads. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. um, But there's also outside the box, which is not exactly for real estate. It's just general entrepreneurs. There's a Tulsa chapter and there's an Oklahoma City chapter and this getting ready to be a Lubbock Texas chapter too. Nice. So it's more like holding people accountable. We have different speakers every month. Last uh second Tuesday of every month is the RIA, the Tulsa Real Estate Investor Association. And Do then you, outside are you the box. Head of that? Outside of the box that may be coming in the very near future, not like officially, uh-huh. officially yet. But yeah.
7: But well, there's a Tulsa chapter
15: for the outside the box. Yes. When
7: do you guys meet?
15: First Tuesday of every month. Valerie um, I'll Watson. I'll be there on
7: Tuesday. We should go.
15: Valerie go. Watson this is Tuesday. the.
12: No, no Tuesday the next third.
15: month. Next month, yeah. yeah. Yeah, next month. October. I think I put you on the calendar. Didn't we get you on there already? Valerie Watson's running it here in Tulsa and then Roger Godwin started it in Oklahoma City. He's got a crazy story. You'll have to talk about him cuz he started he started this when he was in Kenya. He got trapped there when he was during COVID.
7: Oh wow.
12: So it's not That's on crazy. my calendar, but it's Tuesday, October 4th for outside the box. Okay. Yes. What time is it and where is it?
15: Um it's at 11:30. So, it's something you'll have to reach out, reach to, out Valerie to Valerie. And she does all the scheduling. Eat. They, It's an, a smaller group. There's about 25 people in it right now, I think is what we had last week. And they'll do Eventbrite where they're wanting to grow it. But they do have like scheduling and RSVTP, RSVP <laughs> stuff so they can. Gotcha. They cater lunch and we just all kind of everybody sponsors a different meeting and do a different place in Tulsa. So
12: that's pretty cool. Like Like
15: local, we use a lot of local (laughs) restaurants too. See that kind
12: of information I think is really good to be able to have on like this kind of podcast, Yeah, you know, to where people can be like, Oh, you know, where, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to do this? Or, you know, like that's really good information. And so sometimes when I ask questions, when I point things out, I'm trying to be like playing devil's advocate or just being like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Because a lot of people are like, I don't know. (laughs) Right.
15: And all of those groups have mentors. Like, so if you're someone that's exceptional in the industry that you're in and you can be around these other people that are doing awesome stuff too, you can like help mentor other people that are coming in that started where you did, which I think is really cool.
7: Yeah, it's cool. I like that.
15: So.
12: Hmm. Um, one of the lessons that I've learned over the last several several years um, and it's still a skill that I'm trying to improve on I think I'm always trying to improve on I think it's one method that's stuck with you forever but learning how to negotiate
14: oh if you could be a good negotiator (laughs) a good negotiator is a good salesman yeah it's huge in business sometimes it can be hard depends on who's across the Table, you got to be
12: familiar with negotiating, for sure. Right? I think
15: there's a lot of different strategies and a lot of different reasons for paying the prices and making the choices that you do. Because hmm. sometimes investment isn't about the money, but it's about the person. So sometimes it's worth like for my friends that I feel like that I work with, I try to always I never want to discount. Like I want to pay full price. Because we're all out here, like, hustling and trying to do our own thing. And uh, I do say networking takes a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. and I used to think, oh, that's not work. But, like, this stuff. There's probably some being, wasted like, energy, too. Uh, Sometimes.
14: Wrong yeah. person. Wrong person, yeah. Like, uh, I thought you were someone...
12: You're talking about networking with the wrong yeah. person Yeah oh, I mean man. you just
14: yeah. run into the wrong person That's just a complete waste of time Let's talk
12: about the, you. Know, that's something we've also talked about I think a couple other episodes Is a percept- Remember the perception episode Yeah. Oh man where a lot of people are like flashy And they talk a big game And then you find out you're like Alright I know Shouldn't I, have been yep, excited, should for, have been meeting excited for meeting you Yeah Yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know?
14: Yeah, I get it a lot. uh, People are disappointed after they meet you. Perception was Okay, okay. Other way around. I'm disappointed sometimes with the people I meet. I'm like, oh yeah, I just landed this huge roofer. He's got like two repair jobs. A year. A year. (laughs) (laughs) you ever run into that?
15: Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's interesting the way that you put that. But no, not really because... If people are kind of like that, I feel like they weed themselves out around me pretty quickly. I mean, I've been through enough shit in my life, to be honest, that I don't really play any of that. And there's people that are fake out there, but they Mm -hmm. weed themselves out on their own. I don't usually meet them and be like, oh, I was totally fooled. Like, I've met a lot of people who I've been really fooled by and just, you know. They work themselves out.
12: So is there anything that you have done to kind of, or learned to kind of figure out?
7: Kind of a filter you, system. Yeah, you
12: know, What's your filter to like, you know, kind of keep somebody in your close circle. If you were to give anybody recommendations based on your own experience, like what do you
15: um, do? To kind of be like, I am 100% I these myself from or? the beginning. So if somebody like I've met people that are like, Oh, you shouldn't cuss or you shouldn't say that. Cause that's like not ladylike or you shouldn't, I mean, I worked in rain heavy equipment for six years before this doing dirt work for Sherwood. That's not a common job. So I'm used to people saying stuff. If you don't like the way that I talk or the way that I dress or the way that I am, that's my filter. My network are people that I want to be around. So if you don't, you don't have to fit in my box. You don't have to like me. That's cool. But I'd rather get that out of the way really, really early. So I'd say my filter is like personally, if we can't get along and have a conversation, that's my filter. I don't know what you maybe bring to the table. Mm. I may not be able to help you, and you may be a fool, but I might be able to help you not be a fool. So I kind of like be a good influence
12: to some degree. At bare minimum, you could be a good influence to somebody.
15: Yeah, but like if we can't have a conversation, or like if I can't call him and say, "Hey, like I hate this." And be really mad and him still be reasonable with me. Because sometimes I'm going to lose my cool. Like, people do. So if we can't talk to people like people, I don't want to deal with that, you know?
12: Yeah, I would agree.
15: Because I would want to be supportive for them in the same way that, like, if they call and blow up on me one day, I want to be like, hey, are you good? Because if not, like, how can I help you? Maybe we need to get somebody else to help you out, you know? Be
7: more empathetic.
15: Yeah. I think people are really quick to judge, and we can just be a little bit slower sometimes and help people out.
12: Sympathetic and... Sympathy and empathy can go a long ways. Yeah. Man, like...
15: Yeah, but, like, no offense to all three of y'all, like, men are very logically... They think in a very logical way, so when they see, like, emotion, they're just like... Fuck, that don't make (laughs) any logical sense. Why do you feel that way? And it's like... Like if you look at staging and you look at my house, most men investors don't stage their houses
7: because they're like, women oh, it's stage their house.
15: houses because they're like that feels like a home, like it feels different. And that's why women do it. And it men are logical, the so they're, they're like that doesn't make any logical sense. Why am I going to
12: pay you know eight hundred dollars yeah. or whatever it is to have someone come in and stage the living room? Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It's not going to sell it faster. It's going to sell anyways. Exactly. It's going to sell sooner or later.
15: (laughs) But have I met people and been disappointed? Yeah, that's probably fair. I have. I've seen some people in concert that I thought were, like, really great, and then you go to see them, and you're like, Trash. This sucks. I've looked forward to this, like, my entire life, and this is terrible.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
12: So another another point that we could probably add, Talk about is uh, setting some simple goals. Um, and I guess I, it doesn't necessarily have to be simple, but setting it, some goals or objectives. Someone told me that the difference between a goal and objective is in a goal is a goal is timed based, but an objective is not. So an objective is like, hey, I want to do, I want to,
14: um, a mission.
12: Yeah, an objective is more of a mission. Like this is where I'm a going. daily task. Yeah. Like, okay, cool, check, done. Instead of did a process. It. Yeah. A goal's more of like, you know, I need to get here by this time. And so. Stay on track to. What are some things that you guys do to create, like, some goals or objectives? And to hold yourself or anybody else around you accountable for that.
7: I say just break it down. I currently break everything down to a weekly basis. I try to hit X amount of sales a week. And usually by like Tuesday, Wednesday, if I'm like not hitting it, that's, that's kind of like my sign to be like, okay, I got to go get out and go talk to people and spread the word. Cause obviously, you know, something's the issue is, is the word for me at least. So I go out and I'll go to the mall for like three hours and I'll just find people, talk to people and just get the word out and then i'll start pushing more on social media posting in different places literally that's all i do i'll go to um friends businesses that get a lot of foot traffic that's what i've been doing all this week and that's really helped a lot of sales uh just do anything you can to hit your end goal but that's what i do right now for my weekly goal is x amount of sales and just do whatever I can possibly think of. I get there.
12: did I show you my vision sh- flyer sheet thing, my vision board. I, made? I don't
7: think so. Did I tell you about it? You told me about it last time we were in.
12: So one of the things that I was working on is trying to hold like hold the vision in place, but working backwards. I've been trying to been trying to do that over the last several months. And so I was like, okay, well, what does that? what is that next end result or the what's next goal step? or whatever? What's yeah, the yeah. next, what's the next deal where I'm like, nice <laughs> right, <laughs> where right, I feel right. it and, and you smell it and you taste it and you can touch it and you go, yeah, that's it. Right. So what does that feel like? And then work backwards. But I made this sheet, I printed it out. I have a, a daily routine, which I've talked about how I, I like routines, but I give some flexibility for freedom for whatever happens happens you know and then some weekly routine and then where i want to be in like three years five years or ten years just to hold something to hold myself accountable at least have that opportunity to taste touch feel smell hear what is that ah oh, moment <laughs> yes <laughs> you know what i mean uh but what do you what do you do stone you got anything similar
14: to that uh you know, i guess my- you do your own thing Kind of my safety net, too. I mean, I have my vendors that throw me my jobs. My job security is pretty good right now because of how many people I'm tied into. They kind of just push me jobs that working. Um, but, yeah, I don't do too much, man. I, d- I really don't have to. My leads kind of come in. My work's kind of uh, handed to me, I guess you could say. So where do you want to be when
12: you're 30? Because you're 24. 23. Yeah.
14: Uh, What's the next seven years look like for you? Man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know yet. I think gutters, gutters, man. Uh, gutters nonstop. I guess definitely for the next five years, I feel like I got to put the work in. And not skipping
7: those three appointments.
14: Yeah. Love, uh, I love doing gutters. That's that's honestly really good. I love honestly. it. Like, there's nothing better than being out there grinding, sweating it out, accomplishing something. Hell yeah! Because it's a lot of bunch of little tasks. You're doing a bunch of little shit throughout the job, and then all of a sudden, poof, it's, it's done. Done. And done. And it looks good. Looks great. And you're, and you're like, oh. Good.
12: So you expecting to do gutters alone for the next five
14: years? Oh. Uh, I mean, I have my my crew, my people with me. Do you want to get bigger? Yeah, yeah, I tried that.
12: Some people don't want to. I kinda, some people are like, "Listen, I want a small crew, three to five guys, ten guys max, and I'm I'm happy. That's where I'm at. You know what I mean?" And there's some who are like, "No, I'd rather be like I want 15 or 20 crews, you know, and I want them over four different cities. Yeah, I want them in Tahlequah. I want them in Oklahoma City, Stillwater, Tulsa." scoggy whatever you know what i
14: mean yeah yeah i was on that wave for a little bit but mm, i don't know still feeling it out man
12: what was think. the what was the trouble in doing that
14: finding uh, good people uh it was just i don't know i'm kind of whenever i'm on the job i'm a perfectionist like i want that shit just perfect and it's never never as good as what i want Whenever someone else is doing it.
15: So what do you think is wrong with your process to not get somebody that can help at least do it 75% of what you can do?
14: It? Could be training. They they were. They were doing it 75%. I mean, I had a guy with seven years experience and a guy with nine years experience. And it was just... I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know what it was. But there was a problem. It ended up being more callbacks than leads, you know? So having to go back and fixing my people's shit ended up being stressful. I was just like, mm, I would I've rather. have done that. I'd rather, time, rather, time, and time again. i do that a <clears throat> lot. I'd rather do
12: my own shit. Do you? A so lot. what do you do? So you've got to come across similar issues, right? With well, working with the vendors or the contractors. The only thing
15: I'm not going to go and touch anything on and fix anything on is on the roof. So, like, if I'm going to complain about anything, like, I'm definitely going to tell you about it. But most of the people I will tell you a couple times and then I'm not going to ask anymore because it's not going to work for the next deal. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I don't want to have to come back. Like, for him, I don't have to come back. I may have to be like, hey, I think you forgot about me for a couple days. But really, that's kind of it. And he shows up and does it and just sends me an invoice. It's pretty painless compared to some other contractors that I've definitely hired to be honest. So um, but no, most of the time I have to go in and clean everything back up. And a lot of times other contractors don't want us work on anybody else's work. So if somebody messes up my tile or my bathtub or um, like I marked on a wall to like with a Sharpie and an arrow to take out from here up, to open this kitchen, right? I come back and from here down was completely gone. And so no matter what, I still have to pay for that. So obviously I let that person go and then I finished repairing that. I had another guy that was supposed to take out a wall and took like two weeks, kept giving me the run around. So eventually I just took it down and he finally came back and was like, well, I was supposed to do that, and I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't have time to wait," you know.
12: Why is that industry so hard?
14: Contracting, yeah, dude.
12: Why? I don't know. Why is that? My
14: issue was is people like they were doing the work good, but it was the little shit that they weren't doing. It's
15: like they get lazy. They
14: weren't picking up, but it's
12: it's ninety percent
14: of them. It's it's
12: like I
15: wouldn't say it's that many.
12: They were, I got a good list. Never I got a good a list good on my
15: st- Facebook, which includes him on it. Of a lot of pretty good contractors in Tulsa. The only good. And I feel like I try to do that every time because people that are good are hard to kind of, they're hard to fight.
12: Yeah. Well, that's true in general, I guess, no matter mm-hmm. where you are or what you're doing, but, hmm. Nathan upstairs with Anthem Construction, I feel like he does a pretty good job. Yep. That's, have no how, complaints, that's how especially I Especially with you. my office. Like, he built the whole office, him and his crew did, and they did it in two months. So it's not bad. You should have seen what it looked like before. Oh, it's catastrophic.
15: I've worked with Nathan a lot. He's done my, he did a roof for me on another house. They did my hardwood floors. He did cabinets in another house. They've been awesome. So.
12: Hmm. So this almost kind of brings me into the thought of, um, being tempted to, uh, being lured into rapid growth. Um, I'm just gonna leave that right there. What are your immediate thoughts when I say that? What? Well, when you're tem- when you're when you're trying to do this rapid growth, like you experienced
14: Ra- rapid growth, like
12: rapid, like yeah. I'm talking six hundred percent growth, yeah. in a twelve month too, or less period.
14: Yeah, it's don't grow too fast. Why? I feel like you've got you've got trials, trials and tribulations to come across before you can just all of a sudden jump to the big man and in the, in the spot, you know. I mean, you can't just all of a sudden just be the biggest out there. I mean, the biggest out there has worked their ass off and gone through a bunch of adversity and flaws to get there. And I feel like everything just comes from experience. I mean, to, to be the best. you.
12: So, so some people are like, hey, you can cut down on that. Uh, On that lag of growing from lack of experience. If you have a mentor, if you have somebody to show you the ropes, and then you can grow faster, more successfully, if you have someone to guide you, do you think that's true?
7: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Really? 100%.
14: A helping hand.
7: Because you don't have to live the experiences to have the knowledge someone's already gone through their you know five ten years of experience and then they can just tell you as opposed to you doing it for 10 years mm-hmm. to build the experience just like reading a book you learn more from reading a book than you do for you know two years of doing something. Actually.
15: so you said five to ten years so if he's had rapid growth in how long 12 months
12: well, uh, I mean, we're saying rapid growth, like, I'm just saying, like, like, like quadrupling I'm going, he, in less than twelve months.
15: Right. So, if he's had rapid growth in less than twelve months, why would you want to mentor the guy that's been doing it for five to ten years if he's done what he's done in five to ten years, but he's done it in, in a year. Months,
7: yeah. Then yeah. he doesn't need it. He's not one of those cases that would need the mentor He doesn't.
15: Shit. Right, but but I do. Other people want to do what he's done right
7: then he needs to figure out why
15: then why doesn't he help other people be able to do that you know that's what i'm saying saying i'm
7: not saying you have to have the five or ten year experience yeah if you have a success and i
15: wasn't saying you weren't i was just but you want
12: somebody that already has that experience that is that step ahead of you which is kind of like what i was saying earlier about like networking and finding a couple of those people that have had those experiences that are 10 years older than me that hey listen I did exactly what you did I went through those I know exactly what it is you need to do x y and z and that'll help a whole lot yeah
0: Yeah. right
15: I would almost say if you're like a young business and you're wanting to grow a lot pick three businesses that you want to be like like what businesses do you want to be when you grow up and then go ask what you can do for them right well because they maybe they're really busy and you can print them some extra shirts or you can do some of their gutter jobs. 100%. But if so you're just around those people.
12: So Destiny on Instagram Live was talking about how anyone can get an LLC and just do it. Um, and a lot of markets are so saturated because of how easy, how easy we've all made it feel or look. You know, when you go on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, you're like, Oh, man, they've moved. it's so easy. It's plug and play Shopify, yeah. drop shipping. It's this and that. It's, oh, my God, anybody can do the marketing or anybody can flip homes or do wholesaling or anybody can put on gutters. And you're like, yeah, anybody can. But do you know the other headaches that come with it? Like yeah. when you put on the gutters, do you know that blah, blah, blah should it be done? Like, did you check this, this and that? You know, did you think about it, your accounting side? Are you trying to just make a living? Like, a lot of these people feel like when they start a business and they just open up an LLC, they don't think long-term, and they just think about being able to pay their bills and have the freedom short-term. Yeah. So, like, I feel like that there's going to be a lot of people, that if they continue on that path, when they hit their retirement age, and they're, uh, we're going to be paying their retirement. <laughs> they're going to be living on Social Security, because yeah. it's like, you know, did you... Did you plan to sell the business? Well, no, because it was you and two other people. That's not sellable, you know. Um, Or yeah, a lot of times people are terrible saving or terrible with investing.
7: Or taxes, or
12: taxes, you know, and so that's if that's if they make it to retirement yeah. <laughs> without yeah. without the government getting if involved. They still have so their they still program. have that, you know. How
15: do you know that she said that in a negative context?
12: Well, I didn't mean it negatively. I turned it negatively. Okay, yeah, because of my because of because of a because well, of one perception. That was all. Okay. So destiny could have meant it completely different.
15: Yeah. there's that perception again. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny how that sneaks up on you. Hmm.
12: <laughs> okay, so what about another one? Uh the thing is probably this could be our last one. Um What is that saying? And you just said we just said it an hour ago. Perception. Uh, nope. It was <laughs> <laughs> about you counting might. counting your uh chickens, chickens. before they hatch. Yeah. Right? Um Have you guys ever done that and then they not hatched? None of them hatched. Don't
14: count your money before you have it. For me, I don't
15: people. think I've ever. That's personally a very had deal good lesson for sure. Yeah, absolutely. As far as money, I think if you read the Richest Man in Babylon, you're only supposed to use like ten percent of what you actually get. That's an awesome book. Really but good book. But the um, like definitely my favorite ever, and I think it's like the shortest one ever. Just yeah, it's I hate not reading, long. so that's great. Yeah. I hate reading, um chickens and eggs okay so i think you should (laughs) (laughs) i think i was like hang on on, she's like let me tell you something about chicken and eggs yeah chicken and eggs (laughs) chicken and eggs um that you should like i think you should put your eggs in multiple baskets if that makes sense and give them an equal amount of effort just like with your marketing when you put stuff out or like maybe you I don't know. You put your stuff out and you see if people are attracted to it. If they don't, and you put all your eggs in one basket, you're screwed. But if you got a lot of baskets and one of them hits, then you then maybe you can move that. some more eggs into that basket because that chicken's probably going to get a little fatter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe not literally, but figuratively. Fluff <laughs> out, you know.
12: Uh, okay, yeah, so, have you ever counted your chickens before they hatched?
7: I personally haven't, but I don't have a whole lot of experience in that. Mm-hmm. I have.
12: What's yeah. that like? Uh. Sounds, sounds kind uh, of it's kind terrible. kind of really, sounds like a good if story. you
14: rely on, I mean, that's, you're relying on something else, if you put, if you get your hopes up for that, and then it all falls, then you're kind of just screwed. Um, for me, I mean, doing work for a bunch of people and then some of them, you know, say they're going to pay and then you wanted to use this money to pay the material bill and all of a sudden they're not paying.
12: You know what I've had before? I've had, um, yeah, I've had plenty of contractors or employees too that, set a high bar and then it's way low. <laughs> way low man um i've experienced that too and i've also come to realize that contracts don't mean shit contracts are only in place is if somebody decides to take somebody else to court that's 100%. it if i don't want to pay it i'm not going to pay and what are you going to do about it you're going to take me to court for 500 dollars over $500? No. You're going to take them into court over $2,500? I would say
0: in
15: real estate. Maybe. And especially in investing. Good luck.
12: Taking somebody sh- to
15: court? No, not oh. paying somebody. And that contracts don't mean anything. Because I guarantee you they do. And they are expensive as shit. They are real expensive. Well,
12: I'm sure when you get into high ticket items or contracts...
15: Yeah, but, Outside like, of, if he's yeah, spending a lot of money on materials and people aren't paying and you uh, put a lot of materials on a house, I, don't yeah, know, I probably shouldn't lean. say anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like.
14: it's I guess it's different for each.
15: But I get the different industry, but industry, I just feel like yeah. the more you have on it's the different. line, like.
12: But then again, it goes back to my thing is, like, contracts don't mean shit, and then there's your whole new headache.
7: I mean, in my old Taking business, to
12: court. Right, but then there's your. I mean, there. Then, then that contract may or may not mean something. Then You got to go through that whole process, and that whole so, process could last three months or three to four years or more.
7: It takes a while. Where I used to work, we, I mean, we would do things, you know, give people money and stuff and sign contracts. I mean, we will take them to court over two hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. You know they they don't care. They want their money, whether they get it. They'll, they always have, but, I mean, they'll they'll take you to court. They don't care.
12: Hmm. Interesting. Um, I
15: think you, if everybody just does what they're supposed to do, then we don't have to worry about that. Oh, if oh. it
12: was
14: that easy. <laughs>
15: well, <laughs> it's nay the ones that work out and the ones that don't. I mean, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice.
7: You got it backwards, but close. Yeah, close. Yeah, I was like, right. I I I was like wait a
15: minute. It's close, but. Eh.
14: No cigar.
7: I knew you again, were I don't though. So I know, still I
15: know
14: what you were saying. Do so you?
15: you sound I, like you were going to like really You know, your voice gets there. really
12: deep oh. when you're talking to the mic like that.
15: <laughs> I thought you were like.
14: Can you guys smell my breath? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I always smoke like <laughs>
7: It's
15: probably better than
12: Jeff brothers. Let's hope you don't have COVID. I'm going to have to spray that down. Nah. Um, Alright, so uh, do you guys have any uh, final thoughts? Um, uh, my last final thought here, I'll go ahead and start off. Uh, try to do your best to validate employees or contractors subcontractors, things like that um, or to validate their background history, work that they've done, and if you're not comfortable with the relationship that you set up from the beginning, if you're like, oh man, I can't start a conversation with this person and carry it on, or whatever it is, kind of like what you said too earlier, mm-hmm. I think that would be nice. That, um, um, nice to have a good tip, kind of validate people the best you can, but and try to find a mentor. Um, go to some of those networking groups. Like if you uh, need help with the, the network,
15: if you need a mentor or somebody to help you or find something, even if I don't know them, I'll help you find them. I might not know a lot of t-shirt people, but I will find some awesome uh,
0: ones.
7: So I, I will go to yeah. Tuesday, first Tuesday of October.
15: Yes. I'll so if you look at the Tulsa Real Estate Investor Network, Kathy Portley on Facebook is the one shout to reach out, to out, out for that. Oh, shout out you know, Kat I just dude.
12: wrote down that sound effect, right? Shout out! Remember how Kat. you were mar-mar, like, mar-mar. shout out, <laughs> shout out uh. to the so-and-so. Remember you do that? You just kind of butt in like that. Sorry.
15: Well, I mean, I'm all for people reaching out to me too, but like (laughs) they got to talk to them to, you know, get all the information. So
7: for sure.
12: So someone wants to reach out to you to help them find a mentor. Is that
7: something?
15: Ashley Strain on Facebook. That's it.
7: Ashley Strain on Facebook. Can you spell that out for people like me that don't spell well?
15: A-S-H-L-E-Y. And then my last name, S-T-R-A-I-N.
12: Strain really? like stuck a strainer Perfect. Easy enough
15: Like a Yeah What'd you say? Like a <laughs> strainer Okay Like a spaghetti <laughs> strainer
7: <laughs> Thanks Don't wait Going on with these sound effects That would be a really
15: good one too Hi <laughs> right.
7: like Hi my name's <laughs> Ashley <laughs> 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 You got any okay.
12: you got any final thoughts
7: Chad? <laughs> um There's this quote by Denzel Washington. He says, uh, dreams without goals are just dreams. So you need to have goals set to get to your dreams.
12: Fair enough.
14: Stone. You got to go get it. Got to. No handouts. No handouts.
12: No handouts. Ashley, you got any thoughts?
15: Final thoughts? Every day. Time to buy another house.
7: Hey, I'm selling one. Let's get it on.
15: I know. We're supposed to go look at it. Well, you're supposed to send me that. Well, I got the address. Your (laughs) agent, something after this. That's what we're doing.
7: I can text you her info.
12: Yeah. Um, Let me go and let you guys know what we're going to be doing on our next podcast episode. The next one is going to be pretty exciting. Um, Actually, the ones over the next five weeks are going to be great. So, next week, we're going to be talking about is branding really necessary? The week after that, uh, we're going to be talking about customer and employee retention. And then we're going to, uh, we have scheduled Mason Thatcher as a guest for the $100 story on September 30th. And then um, and then we're going to be planning some more out in October. Might have to take a week or two off in October from doing any lives or podcast recordings, but we'll keep you guys posted on all that. So
14: I'll Earth be next week. I'll be in Florida. Oh, vacation? Kinda. Softball tournament. Okay. Are World. you just
12: doing pro or something?
14: Uh, I'm going to try. I'm not right now, but I'll get there. That's the goal. That's the, that's the real goal before he's 30. There's your dream just
12: and in the
15: team. goal. Is that your why?
14: Eh, that's a hobby.
15: You're trying to put nah. a lot of gutters up so you can play something? Nah,
14: abundance is probably the goal. Being okay. able to provide. Okay. Provide what I mean with with abundance. You can provide anything. I mean,
15: what's anything? What's important to you? I want to be able difference? to provide
14: opportunities,
12: safety, and financial security. And abundance. opportunity, opportunity. See, that's opportunity what happens huge.
15: when you think about what your goals are.
12: That's my why. Still. When I I know uh, this, is, we're not. We're, I know we're coming to an end here on this, but I know that I get in a rut when I feel like I can't provide. Like it hits home. And I'm, I keep wondering, I'm like, why am I feeling like shit? And I'm like, it's because you feel like you can't provide security. How are we going to fix that? Okay. So I'm a competitor,
14: and his engine blew. And for me, I'm in the position, I have two trucks sitting in my house. He was able to use a truck. His business is still rolling for these next two or three weeks while his truck's getting fixed. The opportunity to provide to him, to help him continue on with his business, felt good. It was rewarding to me. So, there's an example.
15: That's like the first real thing I've heard you say this whole time. That's so cute. I'm so proud of you. Oh, my God. He said, oh, my God, my friends are watching.
14: (laughs) Hey! Good job. (laughs) It feels good to be able to provide. Yeah.
15: That's awesome.
14: Right? Does it not? No, it does. Ah, I 100% agree. Yeah.
12: Provide for my family, provide for my employees, or co- contractors. Like, if I make promises and I'm like, hey, I've got this deal that's working out, blah, blah, blah. And I talk to a contract I talk to an employee, talk to a family, friend, whatever it is. Like, again, going back to the counting the chickens before they hatch. Like, unless it's already signed or actually in the works or it's happening Try not to do too much talking about it unless I give you the disclaimer. I'm like, hey, I'm just talking about this. (laughs) This
7: is kind of what's in the works here. This is in the works here. trying to get this done.
12: I'm putting it on in the universe between you and me. Yeah. Talking about it. Hopefully that it happens. Yeah.
7: I I honestly try not to talk about stuff before. I was until it's done. I'm like, I don't want to bring it up. Because every time I have, it's kind of like it's me, and my buddy. shot you in the foot. Yeah, me and buddy oh, Cody were talking about this. Anytime we've started talking with like friends about, oh, I'm about, I'm, like I'm about to buy this car so I can fix it and flip it, or you know, whatever. It's like, oh, well, now that fell through. Like, what happened to the car? I was like, oh, it just fell through. But if you don't talk about it, not if you're like working ten, on it
14: hard enough, then
7: you shouldn't have time to be talking about it. Oh, you said don't talk
14: about it, just do it. Let's do it. Let's he's do roasting
12: it. you about working hard, and he's off today. <laughs> yeah, canceled three jobs. <laughs>
14: <laughs> we got paid for three jobs today. I think that's why. Oh, okay, good. I so, like did
12: you. you reschedule them?
14: Yeah, Monday. See you guys Monday. That's good. it's yeah, good if we get pushed back to Tuesday morning. It's all nah, right though. Yeah, we up we early. Party, party weekend. That's all good. Yeah, I wish I had my son. I'll be I working at so. the
12: TU game tomorrow uh,
14: Devin and I will be, Conrad's we'll be roofing.
12: flying the drone for Conrad's Roofing the rooftop view brought to you by Conrad's Roofing hopefully I'll be doing work for them soon <clears throat> this will be shot as the guys run out onto the field nice. with the drone and then in 30 minutes or less we gotta put together a video edit it on a laptop for upload half-time? it to the Google Drive and then it's gotta be published within like before halftime yeah beautiful and today we got to request uh faa uh, permissions to do that from air traffic Ooh. control so then they know we're flying tomorrow because we'll be within a hundred uh we'll be i think is a hundred feet above ground level we can fly maybe it's 400 something like that
7: because we're in a restricted fly zone don't drones like send a gps signal as soon as they're on? not
12: anymore but as of last year uh there's two more years left to where every drone device will have to be required to, uh, every drone will be required to have a device that emits and accepts signals from other uh, aircraft to let them know what elevation, speed, where they're located, and things like that. So that's new. Um, So soon there's going to be, in the next couple of years, going to be officers that are going to have those as well. They're going to have these devices to where they can just, hack right in shut your drone down pull it right back to him, mm-hmm. and then know exactly where you are it's yeah. the controller and it. stuff too yeah. um Crazy. and they're trying to do stuff like that because over the next five years ish there's going to be a lot of drones in the well in the next 10 years let's say five to 10 years there's going to be a lot of drones delivering shipping packaging things like that oh huh? um and so they have to figure out a way to be able to track all of the drones and plus there's a lot of people that are flying illegally like you can't fly in state parks federal state parks unless you have faa's permission and the federal government uh state and park divisions like someone actually has to give you a paper sometimes that takes two or three months to plan out but a lot of people are doing stuff like that there's hobbyists that are flying illegally too and so there's people like that i've seen on YouTube, well, they'll get $180,000 fines, um, flying at a park,
7: stuff like that. I don't
12: like that.
15: So lesson of the day, don't fly your drone at a national park.
7: It's a good thing I don't have a drone, or I'd fly it everywhere. That's one tip, yeah. Honestly, you should get
12: one. So, like, I wanted to take my drone with me when I went to New York, um, but without certain permissions and there's like very fine areas that I was looking at on the map to where I could fly. And I'm like, man, I want to fly in Manhattan. That'd be awesome to get some shots of, you know, empire state or downtown or something, but Nope. And I, there's a lot of, um, uh, areas on the, in the Gulf that you can't fly like for miles outside the Gulf because it's all protected wildlife zones. And you can't fly in protected wildlife zones, <laughs> so that's another thing, you know. But I'd rather play it safe than get a two hundred thousand dollar fine. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so appreciate you guys joining us here on the Bruising Business Live podcast. Uh, we'll stream next Friday on Instagram on the Blue Studio page, and we'll uh, share it to as many. Pages as we can and stuff so you guys can keep up to date and join the conversations. I'm Brandon Cruz with Sooner Marketing Solutions, streaming live, recording live at the Blue Studio.
7: Chance. Chance Jones with Threaded Industries, where we are brand built to give
14: back. Stone. Stone Shoe. Stone Downflow, Seamless Guttery. Got flow. And Ashley.
15: Tally investments. Ashley Stern.
14: There
12: you go. Beautiful. <laughs>
10: right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that
1: complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so
14: much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping for
12: hard to recycle plastics can be so much more participate in
10: the hefty energy bag program happening in your neighborhood today
14: oh 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 o'reilly
16: I'm Safi Russell from SDR Consulting Inc. And we're here today on Business Basics Friday. Uh, The goal of this session is to provide some value to small business owners in the space of tax, accounting, and general business, and then have an open Q&A at the end. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon. Happy Friday to everyone. Welcome to Business Basics Friday. Go ahead and share where you're joining in from on the in the comments if you're here live on Facebook or if you're here in Clubhouse, you can go ahead and comment in the chat and I'll try to look to the side and, and capture that. But I wanna thank you again for joining us for Business Basics Friday. I'm here in uh, New York area, and uh, our guest speaker will share where they're joining us from. And it is currently 75, so we're still holding on to a little bit of warmth here in New York. So uh, if you're not if you're here for the first time, a little bit about uh, today's session and myself. I'm Safia To Russell, CEO and founder of SDR Consulting Inc. Business Basics Friday is a weekly session catered to providing valuable information to business owners. We have a variety of guest speakers that come in to help share information and educate you on the many areas of your business that you need to manage. And uh, this is a disclosure, this is strictly for education and information purposes. There's no client relationship or any legal advice being provided here. As far as my background, I've been in the industry 20 years. I'm a CPA and enrolled agent and also have a master's in taxation. And SDR Consulting Inc is a virtual firm based in New York, but we do work with clients all over the US. And we mostly work with business owners, especially those in the mental health profession, helping them reduce their concerns regarding tax and accounting so that they can focus on their own clients and uh, own well-being. And uh, so if you do have any questions during the session, feel free to post them in the comments, in the chat, and we will go over them at the end. And uh, so at this time, I want to introduce our guest speaker for today. We have Josh D'Amigo. hopefully I said that right, (laughs) um, from Influential U to share with us identifying your superpower in business. So Josh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself.
17: Thanks, Safitu. It's so good to be here. And it's 105 here in California, rolling blackouts, going crazy. I'm in Ventura, California, where we have a little bit of shade. But I am at the studio that we record from in Ojai, which is next to the city That Oprah lives in. So we are in good company this morning. It's going to be a lot of fun today. And uh, I work in business and philosophy for an education company that teaches people a process that also includes people. And that's what we do at Influential U. And I'm so happy to be here, Saputu. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Good help. <laughs> um,
16: thank you. Yes, technology, right? So we've got um, Matthew from Seattle, Washington. Thank you for joining us live here on Clubhouse. And uh, feel free to keep sharing where you're joining in from. So we're going to do something a little different today, which is fun. And, um, and Josh is going to go ahead and um, kind of introduce the the um the interview you know uh, or, or quiz that we're going to go through today, but we're going to learn a little bit about identifying your superpower and the importance of that. And it's going to be of a, a kind of an interactive session where I'm going to go through this quiz live. Um, it's going to be totally transparent with everybody, and it, <laughs> it should be fun. So uh, Josh, go ahead and feel free to intro. What well,
17: I I love this because we were introduced uh, by uh, you know a good friend and Jessica Jessica introduced us and told me a little bit about what you do and. It's fun because I get to play in business in a way that a lot of people don't get to. I get to play in the peopling aspect of the business. Most people will put processes, and and I I, I guarantee that Sappy 2 is telling all of you guys to have your processes down, work on your processes. You can't manage people. You can manage processes. really important to have that process, but what you find really quickly is that more often than not, people don't hit send and then just do what you want them to do. We are the only company that I know of that actually has a peopling aspect to the process. And today, what we're gonna do is we're going to have Safi to take a a quiz to find out maybe part of her worldview. How does she view the world? What part of work does she really love doing and what part of work would be really costly for her? Things that she may not like to do. As an entrepreneur, you have to get help. The bigger the dream, the bigger the team, right? And if we're doing it ourselves, it's really hard. And if entrepreneurs are out there constantly starting businesses, closing businesses, how do we do it where it's more fun, where they enjoy what they're doing, they're loving their life, but they're also doing the things that they like and not necessarily doing the things that they don't. I'll start with this. You can already tell that I'm i'm more enthusiastic than a cup of coffee in the morning. It's nine o'clock here in California. And when Safi2 and I were meeting, she was like, okay, we'll slow it down, calm. I can tell from the get go that if Safi2 was in the middle of some rigor, of doing some taxing and accounting and, and crunching numbers, I would be the worst person to walk into her office because I would walk in with sunshine, rainbows and butterflies and put my mood all over her, making it slower for her, less productive. And yet our culture tells us to be in right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. You need to walk in. To, Good morning, everybody. No, 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 no. Check what the mood is and make sure it's appropriate because that might not be appreciated to Savvy too. So this morning, we're going to see a little bit about her personality, but I'll start with just that. And to any questions on anything that I said there, anything that y- your listeners might like from your perspective?
16: No, I think that was a great um, example of, of the importance of identifying these superpowers in yourself and others. Because in working with the team, um, it's going to help people feel more comfortable, feel uh, more... Ap- in, um, not not out of place, you know. Feel, yeah. feel more um, aligned with the work, also with the clients that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on the line of business that you're in, it's going to help you in that way. So, you know, I've I've you know fortunate to to be mentored in business and learn a little bit about personalities in the past, and it's made a big difference in in dealing with people because we come across all different personality types. And so I'm gonna have fun with this, but um, when I see different <laughs> variations of the of these quizzes and such. I'm always um, intrigued by it. And I just, it's amazing how whoever has studied this, right? How on, uh, on, on track they are and how um, we can identify with what we are, no rights, no right or wrong answer. Right. Um, And use that in our business. So I'm going to go ahead and and share the screen. And um, so good.
17: Now here's where it's going to get really fun. too. So what you said is perfect, right? We've studied over 200 of these. Four quadrant personalities come to us from the Greek. It's literally something that your teacher probably talked about when you were like in high school, junior high. And we probably all slept through. But what's funny about it is Hippocrates was basically saying that there are four types of people. There is a type of person that loves theory. They love to create narrative. They love the ideas but they never really get things kind of done. They never really, they they stay in this land of like intention. That's me. I'm what we call a performer or a constructivist. That's my worldview. Everything is a story. I'm building narratives. Well, there's the opposite is true. There's going to be those skeptics, those people that build a narrative, but they do it from facts. They're fact-based. We're going to call them judges. And more often than not, a judge is a a a deconstructivist or a skeptic. Those are those people that are great at finance. A lot of times they love their numbers. And what you find is that my skill set you probably want me to be drinking at a party, mixing with somebody or I'm not working. That's, that's how, you know, I'm working. I'm not at a mixer saying hi. Well, a lot of times those judges, if they go into work like that, that would be exhausting for them. That would be a very long day. I can do five hours of talking and still come back the next day with more. No, no, no. I need a rest. They like to just kind of be by themselves, do some thinking, deep thinking, a lot of, you know, factual things. Hey, here's what you can't do. Here's what, here's what you need to know. If I did the accounting, it would be creative accounting. Now that's not for everybody, but what you find really quickly is that I'm really happier doing the peopling. Well, if those two are true, well, there's probably people in between us. There's the people that are the idea-based. These are the people that are your CEOs five years out in the world. They're probably too smart for all of this. In fact, they're so smart, they're a lot of ego-driven because they need to have a big ego for those big plans that they're making. Well, the opposite is true. That objective person, we're going to call them a producer. Hey, the dummies upstairs said we're going to do something. Here's how you actually do it. You're engineers. They love a contract and tell us what to do. Let's get it done. Now, here's what's really valuable about it. All we study is the exchange. Outside of this, Safi 2 can be anyone she wants to be. But when we exchange, if I'm going to speak her language, I probably need to know a little bit more about how she views the world. Should I be story-based? Should I be fact-based? Should I tell her about all the people I'm going to include her with? Should I praise her ideas? If I want to have an effective communication with Safi too, I'm going to stop and listen to what she has to say and see if her worldview matches up with the way that I think she might be thinking and adjust my speaking accordingly. It's more than just a culture problem that we're seeing. It's a people problem. Mm. We don't learn how to functionally people with one another. So as you take this quiz, here's what's fun. Everyone can take this quiz and you can actually see the link in the top corner. But Safi too, when you take it, there's no right or wrong answers. There's just what you like the most. Which one of these answers gravitates towards you? Mm -hmm. And I'll let you go ahead and start taking the quiz and talk about your brain as you do it.
16: Okay, perfect. So I'm going to read this for anyone who's listening in on the podcast. And so the first question is, which business idol has traits most like you? Uh, Option one is Oprah Winfrey. I'm outgoing, I care deeply about others, and I'm a great storyteller. Jeff Bezos, I prefer a well-oiled, consistent, and efficient machine like Amazon. Warren Buffett, I'm meticulous and apply time-tested standards to make the right moves. And lastly, Elon Musk, I'm a visionary on a mission and have lots of new inventions and ideas. And so for me, I'm more like Jeff Bezos So Bezos, hopefully I said that, right? All right. And that good. was the, um, I don't know if I can go back, but that was the time yeah, tested um, or uh, a, prefer, a
17: well-oiled, consistent and efficient machine like Amazon. I ah, love that. Great answer. Now, mine would have been Oprah, clearly. Yes. But yep. uh, what's fun about that, right? No wrong answers. No right. wrong answers. All right, next right. one. This is a good one.
16: Perfect. Which of the following quotes do you prefer Tape to your fridge? Um, first one, when you do more than you're paid for, eventually you'll be paid for more than you do. Zig Ziglar. Second one, whatever you can do or dream, you can begin. Uh, well, whatever you can do or dream, you can begin it. Boldness has, gen- Boldness has genius power and magic in it. Johan Wolfgang, I'm not going to say the rest of the name. Um, third one, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Carl Butchner. And then the last one, the fact that an opinion has been widely held is no evidence whatever that it is not utterly
17: absurd. Ooh, this is a good mm. one. This is a good one.
16: This is a good one. Let's see. Let me read these over to myself again. <laughs> uh whatever you can do, yeah. You know, in this one, I'm gonna go with the third one. They may forget yeah. what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. That one stands yeah. out to me.
17: Same as me. Same okay. as me.
16: All right, great. Next up. next question. Which of the following do you agree with the most? Um, blank is more important than blank. Option one, consistency is more important than ideas. Option two, relationships is more important than results. Option three, vision is more important than perfection. And then option four, evidence is more important than speed. I like consistency is more important than ideas. Love that. That's perfect. I'm relationships. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. Next one. What is your dominant need for your personal happiness? Mm. This, this is powerful. Security, mm. freedom, certainty, or consistency. Hmm.
17: It's a hard dominant one. Dominant right?
16: need for personal happiness.
0: Yeah. Hmm
17: one of those words might stick out to you a little bit more. You might get a feeling, you might not. You're yeah. like, hey, it might the not w- be sexy. Okay, which one you got? The
16: one certainty is the one that sticks out. Good to choice, <laughs> good choice, okay.
17: Yeah, mine's yeah. freedom.
16: Freedom, yep. <laughs> I was torn between at least three of them, but that one kept coming. Yeah,
17: good, stuff. good.
16: <laughs> All right, next one. What keeps stopping you from making your goals a reality? Option one, imposter syndrome. I never feel like I know enough. Two, I can't seem to break through my own glass ceiling. Three, I don't know where to start. Four, there's already so many people doing what I want to do. Mm. I'm going to go with, I can't seem to break through my own glass ceiling. And I'm working on that. I've gotten past some levels of glass ceiling, but definitely improvement for more. So
17: that one stands out to me. Not a whole lot of people with really good podcasts on Fridays that y'all are listening to and turning into. So there you go. You're doing something right. Good work. (laughs) All right, great. Next one. You walk into a cocktail party. What happens next? This is fun.
0: Uh,
16: (laughs) Option one, I find a couple of friends and mostly hang with them. Option two, I order the bartender's signature cocktail and try to figure uh, what she puts in it to make it so delicious. Um, option three, I walk straight up to that business inf- influencer I've been trying to meet and strike up a conversation. Option four, without even trying, I become the center of a large group of laughing people. Option one, I find a couple of friends and mostly hang with them.
17: <laughs> mm. Are you are you loyal? Are you very loyal to your friends up to? You? Yes. To a and cult? I I
16: will go to that influencer, but it would be my first thing to do.
17: Yeah, for me, for me, I go to it. And then it's like, I try to get this group around. And the last one I was at was the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. And I made a big game with my friend Sarah. And it was a game where she and I had to run around for 15 minutes and collect as many business cards as possible. I walked back with eight, she walked back with eight, and we had three or four people cheering us on. Nice. That's me at a mixer.
0: <laughs> Love it. Cloud golf card.
16: <laughs> Next one for meetings, do you most often arrive just in time, but often a little late? Option two: always on time and usually the first one to arrive. Three, on time, but only just in time to start, and on time, but not too early. I'm going to go with the on time, but not too early for
17: me. Yeah. And you, you and I know how I do this morning. uh, And, (laughs) and that's, but see, here's, here's where, here's where it's really fun. I'm late to everything because I'm so happy where I was at. Philosophically, I'm where I'm at, right? You don't have to tell me to be present. I'm going to be that. Right. And I think psychologically, or, or maybe even like in my bones that, Hey, if I show up, well, that's okay. If I'm late. Because I'm giving you all of me when I'm here. That's not Mm. okay. That's Mm. not okay in business. Mm. I need to actually fix that. If my biology is wired that way. Mm. It doesn't give me an excuse to show up late to everything. So what's the first thing I do the second I figured out I might be a little bit late shot you an email quick. Hey, uh, the uh, navigator says I'm going to be because that communication is right. really helpful and if right. you're where I think you are, oh boy, Josh showing up could be a painstaking experience <laughs> for 4 minutes. So, good work. Now, what's I funny
16: was, is in the getting that email, then the you know, the pressure was off. Like, okay, you know, we're good on the time, time zone, you know, no issues because the worst <laughs> thing is you know, you're here live and you're like, okay, we're stuck.
17: And I know. didn't have to teach you anything to make you feel better. The but that's what's it. so valuable because right. once I can communicate with my clients that way, exactly, you start to ease the pain of that whole communication thing, majigger. Yes, <laughs> all right. The disconnect You're up. all that. So good. Yes.
16: <laughs> I seem to learn best by option one, listening and reading, two, thinking mm. and reading. Um sorry, yeah, two, three, talking and writing, and four, doing and listening. And um, let me read that to myself for a minute. So listening and reading, <laughs> thinking and reading, talking and
17: writing, doing and listening is Great. how I learn best. Yeah, I'm a I'm a talker. I think when I'm speaking.
0: <laughs> awesome,
16: awesome. All right, next one. We've got about four, four more to go. So when you're most productive, what's your go-to mood? Number one, determined and rigorous. Two, social and gregarious three imaginative and optimistic Four skeptical and confrontational when I'm most productive I'm
17: determined and rigorous yeah you are oh yeah. my god I think I said the first time we met I said oh I love how organized this is <laughs> oh I and hanging out with you savvy too is so good for me because I'm so unorganized mm. we we well oh, it's so much fun when I get to talk to you because I'm like oh good I'm taken care of oh all <laughs> I get to do I just get to be here and and But you have the structure and I just play your game. Keep going. This is so fun yes. for me. Thank gotta you. love it. Gotta love it. Um,
16: <laughs> next up, I often think about, number one, the present moment and the people in it. Two, the long-term future and how life could be. Three, the events and facts of the past. And four, the next few months and what I need to do. I am in the next few months and what I need to do mm-hmm. phase.
0: Mm-hmm.
16: All right. Second to last option here. What behavior most drives you crazy?
0: <laughs>
16: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. People that are people that are flaky and lack loyalty. Ooh. Those who are disrespectful, disrespectful of others. That's number two. Number three, idiots who can't see what is so obvious. And number four, <laughs> those who can't seem to follow the rules. Ooh, if I had to pick one, it would be those who are disrespectful of others.
17: Me, I'm the same. But if you disrespect my waiter, I don't even know that waiter, but I am gonna, I, we are gonna have hands because I, I, you treat that waiter nice. They have a hard enough job. So absolutely,
16: absolutely. All right, and last one here. What role do you tend to prefer? Number one, leading others towards new possibilities. Two, building networks and powerful narratives. Three, assessing the facts and offering critical thinking. Four, building alliances and getting things done. Hmm. Okay. The one that stands out to me the most is assessing the facts and offering critical thinking. Oh, very good. I
17: like that. All right. uh, And of course, we're going to go and capture it because we're a business and we want to, Yep. of course, we're going to try to get all your stuff and you're going to get a few emails with your superpower, but there you go. Producer. Now, here's what's great about the quiz, and here's what's cool about this. Now, these are possibilities. One of the things that you may hate about philosophy, if you're a producer, Safi, this is actually more funny, is that there is no black and white. In a producer's world is very black and white. You're either on my team or you're not. And I'm going to decide real quick. Many times what you find is, is that there's an asset and a liability there. But what I don't like about quizzes, and what you'll laugh is I just made you take a quiz that's for my company, and then I'm going to say this, quizzes are garbage. Mm -hmm. We're terrible at Mm self-evaluation. More often than not, human beings either think they're way better than they are, that's probably me, or way worse than they are, probably me on a different day. But what you find is that when you're subconscious, when when you have those duality gaps, and you have someone with you that actually calls out things... Hey, did you know that you do this? Hey, you might not know that you came into this, this, this meeting with rigor and I came into it all joyous. And Hey, how are you? Hey, how's it going? And if I'm not careful, I become more costly. When I, when I call you, you're you're immediately going to decide on your phone when you see my name, (laughs) is this going to be costly or valuable? Mm. And our aim is to get people to answer the phone because they know the value that's going to be on the other end. So what you'll see now is you'll be able to scroll down and and, and we can just assume this starts the journey to see if this really is how you think. And if so, here are some of your assets and here are your liabilities, here are your Mm -hmm. superpowers, here are your kryptonite. So why don't you go ahead and read the superpower and tell, tell me what you think about the superpower?
16: All right, so my superpower is producers tend to be short-term and objective in their thinking and are highly
17: work-oriented doers. Oh, do you like to get to work? Do you like to have a checklist? Yeah. Do you like to, uh, you know why I like hanging out with you? I will go to the beach in a suit and tie because, (laughs) oh, we're going to the beach. You go, Josh, you need to get, uh, and I got the picnic basket, and here's the sunscreen, and here's the, and you and I'm like, oh. Thank you. All right, now here's the kryptonite. Let's see if the kryptonite, all right. So funny
16: because literally the bag is packed, like if not the Uh, night before the morning of, for sure.
17: (laughs) All
0: right, let's
16: see if the kryptonite fits. Kryptonite, so producers tend to halt transactions with premature or unnecessary doing and may avoid dismiss completion and
17: flexibility. So you're really good at being flexible with your thinking. You played off of me really well there may be a tendency sometimes to do the same thing. Hey, no, no, we have a process. We do the process. And outside the process, sometimes it can be hard to flex on that if you have to. Um, Now, not always, but what you want to think is more often than not, there's a person over there, not just a project to do. And sometimes that can be an issue. So that's, that's just an example. You can go down a little bit more and see how personal you want to get, but You'll see what we show here is, hey, here's where you fit on our transactions. In exchanges, the perfect place for that producer is really in the work in action, really in the places where, hey, let's get something done. I love making results. I love to complete things. You're probably the most reliable person in your friend group. They probably look to you to constantly be the reliable one. And when you're off, they're all sorts of scattered. And it's fascinating when you see that you're kind of that rock that really makes sure that the things that get done in the group get done. What a value in that and knowing that that's, but here's the danger. You might give too much value. When we ask our producer many times, hey, Liz, I need a pencil. Well, Liz can run down to the store and see a pencil and she goes, oh yeah, but well, if he needs a pencil, he also might need an eraser. So she grabs an eraser, puts it in oh, well, if he needs a pencil and eraser, you might need a sharpener, grabs a sharpener. You know what? He doesn't even have a place on his desk for new sharpeners. So she shows up back to the office with a brand new desk for me, a whole bunch of pencils, colored pencils, in fact. She brings erasers, and I'm like, Liz, I just needed one pencil. Yeah. So delivering too much value sometimes and realizing, no, 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 I'm doing too much. You need to do your responsibilities hey, if you're not going to meet me here, I'm not going to do the extra work to pick you up. Group projects probably were annoying to you when you got into it. Oh, look at that. I just got to breathe. I just got to, all right. So if you scroll down a little bit more, you may be able to see some of the, I I think there's more. You can see all the superpowers, the kryptonites, even the philosophic worldview. Now for you, I don't know if this is true, but I kind of relate to you in that producer way knowing where you are allows me to change what i need to change you still want me to be funny you're a human being it's great we want to have fun but right. when it's time to get to work you need to shut up and get to work uh, i don't know how much time you have left but if you want to go over a couple of superpowers or kryptonites and, and see if those ring yeah. true for you that's totally fine with me
16: yeah and if anyone has questions or comments go ahead and drop them in the in the chat i wanted to comment on um definitely group projects were brutal Yes. And, um, but when it comes to the flexibility, right? And, and working with your clients, right? So, whatever your industry is, if you're in, you know, mental health, if you're in accounting, whatever it may be, you know, in my opinion, it's important to have a process, right? Streamline your process so you're not all over the place, which, which can affect the, you know, uh, end product, can, can affect, can affect communication. But then there will be some clients that you come across, and and where it's possible, you know, HIPAA compliance can kind of limit some things, mm-hmm. but where it's possible, you may have to communicate with them a little differently than others, because your process may be too challenging for them at that moment. And that is something I had to had to do and continue to do to work on being more flexible, um, because when you pull people like producers out of their process, it can cause, you know, confusion, anxiety, stress, et cetera. So yeah. like understanding that, but also understanding their view as well. Um, I, you know, I've seen it in real life and, and I encourage you to really work on some of the tools and skills that you can utilize to get more well-rounded to work with those different types. You know, like That's you said, there's four weird. major groups, but then within that there's, there's more, you know, um, yeah. so I wanted to comment on that. And then um, nice. in the, I did have a question here, like um, yeah. about this transaction behavior. Cause just for those who are listening in, can we walk through like what this process actually means? The stages of where I guess an idea starts and
17: how it's accomplished. Yeah, will you control F and see if there is a, a transaction cycle somewhere on that page? You might just put control F on the page and then hits the word cycle and see if that shows up anywhere no okay so that is laid on top of another diagram okay now the other diagram you're going to have to invite me on for another one but that's how human beings exchange Got it. up at the top is something what we call invent you invent an idea then next to that is going to be invite Mm. and that's going to be in kind of in between the performer and the producer got it next to that is going to be a presentation Right? After that presentation, they say, yes, you're going to go to a contract. Now, notice where you and I, performer, producer, that contract divides us. Remember how you and I were talking about, hey, what were we talked about? Contracts. There was a reason for that. Why? I hate them. You love them. <laughs> hey, what are we getting done? Right. HIPAA compliance. Right. Hey, are we covered? Hey, are we taken care of? Right. Great. I don't like that. Oh, no, thank you. I get a person like you next to me and boy, we are going to take over the world because we got someone that's fun to work with and someone that's fun to do and boy, we just mix really well. Mm. Well, then, then it goes into the producer land of, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now we're going to fulfill, do the labor work in action, and then we're going to measure. Now here is when you start to read the kryptonite, sometimes a producer doesn't like the change. Not always. Sometimes it's difficult for them to actually see that what we've always done isn't going to get us to the next step. Do you remember the question about the glass ceiling? Yes. (laughs) What happens oftentimes is that they don't, they need a judge to come in and be like, hey, this is really bad. We need to fix this process. Hmm. Well, why? This is how we've always done it. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying you're guilty of that, but there's a natural pull in the type of work that's done in the work, labor and action. Yeah. That makes you just keep doing. Yeah. So if I get you a checklist, it's kind of hard to stop. Uh, 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 Josh, what do you need me to do now? No, no. But now it's time for me to readjust. And I don't like working with you. I'm going to go with somebody else. Well, in comes the judge. They measure things. They complete it. Measuring and, and completing is different. Measuring. You're just seeing if it was done. And then you put facts and judgments on it. And too many people in our culture try to put facts and judgments on things before they measure it. But they don't want to come up with a new idea and assess a thing, which is between the judge and the inventor. They'd Mm -hmm. rather point out your flaws than come up with a new idea for how to fix it. And then in comes the inventor that can oh assess and invent a solution. Love it. Once you start to see where your personality is and how it lies in the transaction cycle, you start to realize where you gravitate towards and work and where you might want to get some help because I love being the people person, but I need someone to pull me back to work and say, no, no, no you still got to work today. Right. Oh yeah. I forgot right. about that. Love it. So that's good. Love
16: it. Thank oh. you. Thank you for that. So I'm going to go over <laughs> one or two more uh, superpowers. And then um, if there's no questions, we'll go ahead and wrap up. This has been enlightening and, and everything you hit was, was on the, on the money. Um, okay. So, this is a superpower for uh the producer type determined austere don't, and aus- rigorous, thank you yeah. austere and thank you rigorous <laughs> they are often in the mood to get things done period <laughs> let's
17: go Yep. let's go hey josh. Hey, yep. josh hey josh that's 53 josh what are you doing do you <laughs> want to sound check yeah yeah it's good isn't it fun
16: but we have to stop and smell the roses sometime, right? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. that's something that I have to consciously do because otherwise yeah. I'll just go. Um, and so definitely I can see that now. Kryptonite. Um, hmm. Uh oh. Uh oh. Which one do I pick? <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, I'm going to go with can seem negative, right? Uh-huh. So just, Good. and it says just because you want to move everything from an idea to a to do list doesn't mean others are ready for that. Requests for action can seem as a can come across like a negative mood. So, um, so I could see where you know, wanting to get to the task so much and kind of ignoring the people involved, right, can make people feel like, you know, um, they're not welcomed, they're not needed, um, they're machines,
17: all of that. Well, and it's it's a rigor, right? It's a hey, I'm in the mood to get a thing done. And it's funny because with producers, you don't have to ask if they're busy. They they are. You're yes, you are interrupting. Don't worry, they're doing something. If it's for family, if it's for what you find a lot of times with producers, for them to smell the roses, they actually need to put it in their calendar. They actually need to set apart a time to smell the roses, or they hang out with their performer friend that can't stop smelling roses, and somehow it. Ble- but that's the beauty of human nature. <laughs> You need me. I need you. Right. And if I learn how to exchange with you more properly, better speak your language, not be offended when you want to, Hey, Josh, that's enough. I need, I need to get to work. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And what I start to find out is I'm the problem, not you. And mm. yet everyone's like, Oh, sugar and spice and everything. Nice. That's what little <laughs> girls are made out of. And boys are <laughs> sticks and stones and, uh, or whatever puppy dog tails, sticks and snails and puppy dog tails. Well, In culture, I'm allowed to just go be a happy-go-lucky guy. And a lot of times females get pushed into a role in which they have to be the caretaker Mm. when they naturally may be somewhere else. Mm. So there's so many dynamics going on. All I'm looking at is how do you exchange? And if you're in a mood of rigor, I should match that mood of rigor and allow you to be in that mood and probably get out of your way Mm. because I'm going to slow down your production and that's going to hurt business interesting very interesting even with the gender roles that was that's a whole nother day (laughs) we're just (laughs) starting there we're not even talking about anything else but boy you know we could go into a lot of different things there
16: (laughs) yes absolutely absolutely all right i'm going to cover one more and this one is positive ish mood so the glass is half full for some possibilities but not necessarily all that is interesting um (laughs) That's very interesting because um I feel for me overall I am um positive and always thinking about okay what comes next. Okay, this situation may happen, but okay, I dealt with it now. What's next? And there are other personalities that constantly revert back to that situation or constantly are dealing, you know, carrying that along and can't turn it off. And um and so you'll come across this in your business, you'll come across this in relationships with your children spouses, et cetera, um, this, this mood and and how emotions are dealt with, um, I can see definitely uh, the difference in personalities and how that's handled. Um, and um, then on the kryptonite side, let's see, producers are often loyal to a fault. If others aren't pulling their own weight, they're traitors. And sometimes being too loyal, of course, the producer Um, whole life satisfaction? Maybe you can expand on that a little bit, Josh.
17: Yeah. So when we're talking about this, why do we even work? Well, we work because we're actually trying to um, successfully satisfy different conditions of life. If you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what does a human being need in order to survive? Well, we're going to tell you that your health is number one. Your activity is number two. What you do with your mind and body is your activity. Your money, we talk about money as a tool that just measures the value of your work. Mm -hmm. And then your career. And this one I think you'll like and your listeners will probably like. It's the identity of self you build in the mind of others. What you start to find out is that if you're too loyal or you're loyal to a fault, you start to help other people get satisfied in their world. And then you neglect your own satisfaction. Now, I'm not looking for happy life. I can't measure happiness in a bucket. But I can say, this is what I want for my life. Here's how I get it. Mm. And so what we teach a lot of times is basically saying, hey, are you giving too much? You and I probably give too much in different ways. I probably give too much of my time talking, enjoying, networking, happy-go-lucky. I need to get things done you may have a a point where you do too much for others, those love languages, right? So what what you tend to find out is that if I'm not careful in thinking about my own aims and why I'm even doing this whole job and this work thing, I can go 20, 30 years and be completely dissatisfied and completely not know it. It's what a lot of boomers are facing right now. They didn't save up enough money. So what we help people do is think accurately about why they're working, what they're doing, and then move in ways their biology and kind of the results that they're looking for that allow them to live a satisfied life. And if we're too busy doing things for others, Mm -hmm. we forget to take care of ourselves. So that's a little bit more of that. Tell me what you think about that one. Where does your brain go when I say all that?
16: Um, I think that was a perfect wrap up (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the, the whole purpose of all of this. Right. Um, And and I think that once we identify exactly what you said, it'll help us in our career if you're working, it'll help you in business, it'll help you in relationships. Um, That put a a pretty nice bow on top of of everything. And um, so Josh, I want to just actually let people know quiz.influentialubiz .biz is the link to this Um, quiz I will post it um, in the Facebook live um, at the end so you can access the link quickly and I'll go ahead and throw it in Clubhouse somehow so people (laughs) can take this quiz and definitely learn more about themselves so that they can learn more about others as well as um, their business and um, I I really appreciate appreciate you being here today I'm not seeing any questions come in so what we'll do um, is go ahead and wrap up. I'm going to just share my contact information for anyone who came in late. And then Josh, I want you to share yours as well and how people can reach you. So again, we were here for Business Basics Friday. Thank you for um, joining us if you're here live or if you're on the replay or if you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube. And today was talking about identifying your superpower in business. And the, and then we kind of went through the importance of doing that. Um, it was enlightening for me and being transparent for, with you guys as far as me being in a producer and um the the personality traits that i have and the and the pros and cons of each of them and uh so as far as my background um SDR Consulting, Inc. is a virtual tax and accounting and consulting firm based here in New York. We work with clients all over and we mostly work with business owners, especially those in the mental health profession, helping them with uh, their tax and accounting concerns so that they can focus on themselves and their clients. And you can find us online at SDR Consulting on social media and at sdrconsultinginc.com. Also, you can schedule a free introductory call at 516-255-6603.
17: And uh, here's Josh to take it away. Oh, that's so good. And I'll give you another second so you can put those links in and everything and do all the work that you need to do. And you want a producer to work in on your stuff. I mean, like you want a producer because they're going to be so meticulous in following those rules. So what you find out is she's doing the perfect role for what she wants. That's so with her skill set, please hire her. Safi to hire. Okay. So SDR consultant, uh, Josh D'Amigo, I'm out of California. I am in charge of business development for North America, Europe, and Africa for, uh, influential you. We are a global education company for ambitious business. Uh, if you're, if you're serious about business and want to see results, that's what we do. Um, actually all I'm going to do is plug this. You can find me on LinkedIn pretty easy. Just look up Josh D'Amigo. and then on October 25th, After you take this quiz, first, this is what's going to happen. Safi 2 is now going to get a couple emails saying, how does a producer influence? How does?" And so she's going to get kind of a a good baseline of some of the things she may not have considered that may be her assets and some that might be liabilities. They they might not all fit because in a 30-year career, you're going to change. You're going to have different things that you've learned along the way. I'm really good with my calendar. You'd be shocked on October 25th we're doing a big kind of we're going to talk all about the four quadrant personalities and why they're important. If you'd like to join us we'd love to have you. It's on Zoom, it's interactional because if it wasn't well we shouldn't be teaching this stuff. So we want to have a relationship with you and if you want to get coffee, let's just be friends on LinkedIn and I like <laughs> it. That's all <laughs> from me Sethy. All
16: right, thank you again Josh and um you know, definitely reach out, get that guidance that you need, industry proven, right, and um, thanks again for joining us here for Business Basics Friday. We're going to wrap it up now, and um, if you're hearing the replay, feel free to comment uh, the value you've gotten from this, because I know I, I got some as well, and uh, we will not be here next Friday, um, but the following Friday after that, join us at 12 o'clock Eastern for Business Basic Friday. Happy tax season, happy 9:15 deadline for everyone. <laughs> That's what I'll be doing the next couple days. And um enjoy the rest of um September. I'll speak to you the week after next. Everyone back in school. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye
0: bye. Audio jumps.
7: Because fevers rarely strike during business hours.
10: Mommy. Mm, What is it, sweetie?
7: There's round-the-clock, 24-7 care by phone or video with in-person urgent care options if you need them.
10: Feeling better? Mm, A cookie might help.
7: Day or night, Alpharetta to Jonesboro. We're here for you. Restrictions apply. If you have an emergency medical condition, call 911 or go to the nearest hospital. Learn more at georgia.kp.org/care Kaiser Permanente Thrive
18: Welcome again to the Elite Champions Podcast. I'm Nate. What's up? Uh, happy Tuesday. And it was a crazy, I mean a crazy week one here in the NFL regular season. Uh, a lot of surprises, I guess you would say, especially for my Giants here. We are 1-0. and That's good. That's great. If you want my insight on the game against the Titans, check out our previous episode where I discussed uh, the good. Bad but mostly good of Brian Dable's debut as a head coach for the Giants. But the Giants did win 21 of 20, but that is not the point of today's episode. We have a guest on the show again, he makes his second appearance here on the podcast. It's Tyler Childers. Tyler, my guy, welcome again. And uh, well, I would say or ask you how you're doing, but um, I can kind of guess how you're feeling specifically with one team, but we'll get to that as well. But overall, how are you?
13: I'm good. You know, I, you're alluding to the Cardinals getting smacked, which was definitely painful to watch. But hey, 1-0 in fantasy this week. Uh, on the shoulders of Saquon Barkley. So I'm appreciating the Giants this this fine Tuesday as I'm 1-0, even though the cards
18: are 0-1. Exactly. Look, my guy Saquon... Hello, game. But before we start with anything, let's go over the scores for week one of the NFL season. Let's start with Thursday night football. A while—it seems like a while ago. But it was only like a few days ago. Uh, the Bills ran all over the Rams, thirty-one to ten, in Los Angeles, spoiling the Rams' uh, championship sort of celebration, I guess, from last season. Uh, The Eagles won 30-35 over the Lions. Niners lost to the Bears 19-10 in some weird-ass rainy weather in Chicago, but I guess that's not a surprise. The Steelers barely beat the Bengals 23-20. The Patriots, well, they have some issues over there. They lost to Miami 20-7. The Browns beat the Panthers in Baker Mayfield's uh, first game against his former team 26-24. The Texans and the Colts are so pathetic that they couldn't even uh, score more points than the other team, or than the other, I should say, as they tied 20 to 20. The Saints barely beat the Falcons 27 to 26. The Ravens beat the Jets, which is no surprise, 24 to 9. But Little Mark Jackson is going to get paid this upcoming season, or offseason, I should say. The Commanders beat the Jags 28 to 22. Vikings twenty-three, Packers seven, the Giants twenty-one, the Titans twenty, the Chargers beat the Raiders twenty-four to nineteen. It was a close one in Arizona. The Chiefs won <sighs> forty-four to twenty-one. And finally on Sunday night football, the Bucks nineteen, the Cowboys three, and then of course Denver with the one point loss to Seattle on Monday night football. A lot of takeaways. I, I really do. We have a lot of takeaways for each game. I'll start with mine, just you know, some quick points, and then we'll get to uh, the ones I really want to discuss later on because I want to get your points as well, Tyler. Look, my first point, Michael Thomas, that guy's back. Two touchdowns against the, the Falcons uh, in the 27-26 win. I love him. Casey has slept on him a lot. Doesn't think he's good. Thinks he's just a slant type of guy. Look, he's this guy—he's his he's, slant. He, yeah, but he's big. He's tall. He can get those, you know, one-on-one matchups in the red zone. That's what he did on Sunday against Atlanta. So shout to him. He's back. Two touchdowns and Jarvis Landry, hell of a performance. Had like seven catches, hundred something plus yards. No touchdowns, but he did really good. Uh, the Rams, they're not repeating. I'm sorry. It's just history says that you don't repeat. Uh, a Super Bowl champs the year after you won uh, the first time, you just don't repeat. And after their game against the Bills, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he got a ring. He's done. A Cooper Cup, I pray to God. I pray that he does really good the rest of the season, just like he did against Buffalo. But as I just don't see the Rams repeating. I'm sorry. Uh, Justin Fields. Uh yes he is Chicago's franchise quarterback 100 uh in the rain eight of seventeen 121 yards two touchdowns one interception led him back from a 10-0 deficit against the against the Niners out of all teams Niners are a good team they were a playoff team last year Chicago's got the job
13: if you switch those quarterbacks if the Niners drafted Justin Fields like they should have mm-hmm. at number three instead of Trey Lance the 49ers win that game heavily
18: oh yeah. Hundred percent. But I will say to everyone out there, I know these are quick points, but to everyone out there, I ask for patience for Trey Lance. That's all I ask for. I'll get to that in a second. But I just ask for patience because I know they have Jimmy G back there still. He could step in anytime. But he's Trey Lance is young, so all I ask is for patience. But we'll get to that later. Never, ever. Expect Joe expect Joe Burrow to throw four interceptions ever again. That was just a fluke game. First game back against the Steelers. Steelers are a good defensive team. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. They barely lost by three. So Joe Burrow, he's not going to throw four picks ever again. He's just not that type of guy. I hate the Patriots offense. (laughs) I, I I really do. They never have a lead back. They never have a number one wide receiver. Debon- Devontae Barker, who was supposed to be the number one guy, wasn't that guy. So I hate the offense. The Jets are the Jets. No need to say anymore. Ravens just handled them mightily. Joe Flacco, he's, he's done for. I'm sorry. James Robinson, Jacksonville made a mistake. Drafting Travis Etienne just because he was teammates with Trevor Lawrence doesn't mean anything. It it really doesn't. Like, seriously, just because they were both teammates and, oh, they'll have that bond. It'll be like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. This is a completely different story. Etienne missed last year. James Robinson was already a running back number one for you. Why drop another one? Oh, we're going to use Etienne at wide receiver. Etienne, like, two catches yesterday. That's pretty much uh, on Sunday. That's pretty much it. So, ETM was a waste. Robinson went for 11 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Sorry, he's an RB1, so Jacksonville, you messed up. Again, Trevor Lawrence, man, eh, he was all right. Well, we'll give him some time. Nick Chubb uh, for the Browns. 22 carries, 141 yards. Good for him. He's a good running back. Top five, in my opinion. Uh, Brandon Cooks needs to leave the Houston Texans. Uh, seven catches, 82 yards. Uh Yeah, you have Davis Mills. You don't got anything else. Damian Pierce, he's a good solid running back. He's a rookie this year. Uh, but Brandon Cooks, you want to win the championship? Get out of Houston. Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries, 161 yards, one touchdown, 5.1 or 5.2 yards per carry. That's great. But when it's week eight and he's hurt, sorry, Indy, you're screwed. Uh, the Packers are going to be just fine. Uh, they, it's just one game. They lost their first game of the season last year. They make the playoffs still. So I am not worried about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Patrick Mahomes does not de- uh, does not need Tyreek Hill. As much as I love Arizona's secondary and the defense itself, Mahomes just tore him up. Tore him up completely. doesn't need Tyreek Hill. He has Kelsey. He has Hardman. He has uh, that tight end. I forgot his name. But you have um, you have Kelsey, some young guys, yeah, Juju, yeah, uh, all those guys. Their offense they're, really good. They're fine, I think they're fine. And plus, if they uh, if Bucker's out for a few weeks, if if he is, I'm not sure what updates are on Harrison Bucker, the kicker for the Chiefs. But Justin Reed, the safety, he's a good kicker, so good for Kansas City. He was kicking um, him
13: out of the back of the end zone.
18: Oh, for real! See how I'm saying? Like the Chiefs are, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, man. Like, His he, he first just... kickoff, he kicked it through the uprights.
13: He's off good. T on the 30 yard line, he kicked it through the far uprights. He's solid,
18: dude. I like him. Like, he's, got a, he's got that guy's an athlete, versatile too.
2: <sighs>
18: Dallas is Dallas. Uh sorry. <laughs> you know, Cowboys are gonna run the East. <laughs>
13: Dallas needs to go get Jimmy Garoppolo, like, today.
18: Yeah, and then, no, because the, I don't want that to happen because the Cowboys are going to be like, oh, my God, we have Jimmy G. He made the Super Bowl. We're going to make the Super Bowl. No, it's I, – I hate no, it. No, it won't know? put him in the
13: Super Bowl, but they need to do something. They can't play – That's Cooper
18: Rush. Like, they can live with him for a little bit.
13: Come on. I think Jimmy in there would really stabilize that – franchise right now when they're going through some stuff and Dak just got paid and it's not worth it. I say you go get Jimmy. He's used to having the noise around him. Just let him play a few games, get the team on a winning track and see what happens if Dak gets healthy. That's all I'm saying.
18: All right. I just Dallas is Dallas, man. It happens every year. They they somehow stumble and look, it happened early this year, so Dak's out. And that means the NFC East is definitely up for grabs. Denver, what are you doing? You paid $200 million for Russell Wilson. You tried out Brandon McManus, who was on my fantasy team, by the way. Missed that field goal at the end. Seahawks won. And uh, they made Geno Smith look like Patrick Mahomes the second. Or the fourth.
13: <sighs> Tyler. 50
18: seconds with
13: three timeouts.
18: Exactly. Like... Chill, like it was fourth and five. I get it, but it's Russell Wilson. It's five yards. They act like he didn't it for five yards all game.
13: It's five yards. You gotta let Russell do it. That's the whole reason. I just find it so ironic. The entire reason he left Seattle is because they didn't trust him. They would rather kick the ball or hand it off or whatever. He wasn't happy with the the decisions, the way the plays were being called. Goes to Denver. Gets his money. What do they do? They say, hey, just run the clock down, call a timeout, and we'll kick this 64 yarder. Like, first of all, they're not in Denver. Like, I get that he had the distance actually, but he had two kicks and missed it both times. So after the first one, maybe coach should have been like, hey, I don't know. You know, I don't know, but terrible coaching. I think, um, and I just find it super ironic. Um, And then you love the Seahawks at the end, everybody. Let's ride.
18: Seattle, let's ride. Yeah, yeah, not anymore. Well, look, man, um, those are my quick takeaways. I'll I'll break down the ones I want to dive into um, in a bit. But what are your takeaways uh, from week one of the NFL season?
13: Yeah, a few takeaways. I think the Rams aren't – I don't think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl again, but I do think they played uh, kind of with a Super Bowl hangover. They unveiled the banner. They've been partying all summer. So, you know, they might start slow, especially coming out against the Bills. If they were playing a, you know, a light team, you know, let's say the Jaguars or somebody like that, there would be no excuse. But they were playing a really good Bills team. That was pissed off because they felt like they should have been there last year. And so they wanted to show, you know, this defending Super Bowl champs, hey, we're we're for real and we're gonna stomp you out. And that's exactly what they did. I think the Rams will shape up, you know, as the season goes along, as much as it pains me to say I don't really enjoy the Rams, but they're gonna get better, and that was. I mean, that's arguably the team coming out of the AFC. So right out of the gate, measuring stick game while you're hungover on Monday morning at work type of deal. You know what I mean? Like, So I don't fault them there. The Cardinals are going to need a lot of love on defense. We had a lot of people out, um, and then a lot of people that did play were banged up, but that's no excuse. I think when we did the preseason predictions we did i did predict that the chiefs would beat the cardinals so it's okay we can let that one go i think the cardinals will be one of those teams as well uh to get better as the season goes on especially as we get more people back obviously d hops the main one we played without jj watt we played without three wide receivers to where andy isabella was actually part of the game plan because we had nobody else um i just think both sides of the ball are going to get healthy Cardinals will be okay. Also, I'd rather start bad at the beginning and get better than start really good at the beginning and tail off. So if that's the two options, I'm okay with that. I'm hoping that we'll trend up. Um, Falcons continue to just blow late-game leads. They might be the most choking franchise ever. Like, it just, it always happens. They were up by, like, 20 points with five minutes left in the game or something like that. Some crazy blew another lead, 28-3, you know, reminiscent of that. Um, The Bears? I don't think the Bears are as good as people are giving them credit for. I think it's that the 49ers aren't as good as people thought. I don't know why everybody loves Trey Lance. The kid is not great. I know you said be patient, but you drafted a kid out of North Dakota State, third overall over Justin Fields, Heisman finalist out of Ohio State. They basically have the same skill set, but somehow Trey Lance was picked above. I just really think, and I I have a few 49er fans that agree with me, that that was a huge mistake. They should have taken Justin Fields. So... I just, I think that this game really showed that and that's the first time they've played in their career. So I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, Patriots, awful, but I love it. I love it. Um, I don't know what this Jaguars commanders game, if it means that the commanders are good or if it means the Jaguars aren't as bad as we thought we're somewhere in the middle. I have no clue what this means because both of these teams are, you know, they're bad teams that are trying to move forward. So it's hard to gauge that off of one game. I uh, was actually surprised Christian Kirk. I talked a lot of smack about him during the offseason leaving the Cardinals. He had a good game. He went for a hundred plus yards, a touchdown. I think he, He had himself a game, so congrats to Kirk. I'm interested to see where the Commanders and the Jaguars go from here. The Commanders have a loaded wide receiver class right now. Obviously, you know, Scary Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel as well. That is a great waiver ad this week in fantasy. I've got my claim in right now, so hopefully I can get him. And then they have a third guy. I can't even remember. that They all had... Twenty points in fantasy, all three of them. So Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz was spreading the rock around. I didn't get to see that game, but the numbers looked good. It looked like Wentz was getting the ball out. So yeah, I'm interested to see if the commanders are real this year. Uh, Colts and Texans. I think that's so fitting. They're both awful. (laughs) Giants. I was shocked the Giants won though, because obviously the Titans offense has... um, Not what it used to be. They saw Derrick Henry, though. They saw Ryan Tannehill. They got rid of all their wide receivers, basically. But they're still a good football team. I thought they still had a pretty good defense, and the Giants really, uh, you know, ground out that win, and that was really impressive by the Giants. So I didn't, I didn't give them a a fighting chance in hell. But I thought that was really good. And then, yeah, like you said, Cowboys are they pronounced dead after week one? They got to do something. And then the terrible coaching by Denver.
18: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the biggest storyline out of the big one is just the Cowboys. The Cowboys are America's team, and let's face it, <laughs> you know, Dallas, you don't have Dak. They're gonna roll with Cooper Rush or Will Greer, the third string quarterback out of West Virginia. Uh, was formerly a Carolina Panther, not really relevant, but you know Dallas. We saw a lot, a lot of negatives in that game against Tampa. It, it was a winnable game. It was ninety-three at one point, and then Tampa just pulled away at the end. Uh, you know, the finishing touch was when you know Tom Brady threw that touchdown pass. Tom I gave it to the corner of the end zone, and that was pretty much it. It was nineteen and three, and it it was just dead. And then when Dak got hurt. Everything just went down. Um, and you could say, like many others out there, oh, Cooper Rush stepped in with like four minutes to go in the game, and he did pretty good to the point where it's like, oh, we have confidence in this guy. That's what Skip Bayless said on on the, uh, the show he has with Shannon Sharp on Fox Sports. I watch it. I love it. it it's entertaining. I don't agree with it, what, uh, what they say, uh, but I like watching it. I had the same hope last year when the Giants played. I forgot who it was, but we played Jake Fromm. Jones was hurt. We had Mike Glennon. He was terrible. So we, uh, the Giants coaching staff put in Jake Fromm for the last drive of the game. And he did really good. Like He was moving the ball down the field on a deep ball. And I'm like, wait. We may have found our quarterback here uh, in New Jersey, Jake Fromm, the guy from Georgia. That's great. Next game goes like negative four passing yards, and that was the end of my dream. The same thing is going to be said for Cooper Rush. I'm sorry. You have no receivers. You have CeeDee Lamb, but he he was bad. Like, the defenders know CeeDee Lamb is their only wide receiver. That's good. Noah Brown's no threat. You get Jalen Tolbert, the uh, second runner from wherever he goes, South Alabama, where is he? He was a healthy scratch. You need him apparently now. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he's done for. I'm sorry. You have nothing to expect in Dallas. And you have Tony Pollard, but Pollard sucks up blocking with his size. I'm not saying you know he's a bad player, but just blocking-wise, Pollard can't do crap out there defensively, yeah, Michael Parsons and what else? What else do you have? Trayvon the- Diggs is a fraud. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank God. Someone someone had to say it. I was going to say it, but you beat me to it. <laughs> Just because he had, what, double-digit interceptions last year and, oh, he's a top 30 player. No, he's not. Just Bro, the numbers don't. I love stats. I love numbers. That's I love basing my opinions based on stats because stats don't lie. And Trevon Diggs got more than ten receptions last season, but that doesn't mean he's a good corner. It's either a, it's a boom or bust with him. It's either he's gonna you know get the pick or he's gonna allow a big completion down the field. I'm sorry, they're screwed. Trevon Diggs That's is not so that hard. guy.
13: Stats don't lie but they can be misleading. Yes. And one statistical term that I know you're familiar with that's very applicable here is he's regressing to the mean.
18: Mhm. Yes.
13: Very he much. He's going to fall back down to where his where his average should be those stats at the end of this year average them together. That's probably a good indication of where he is not, you know, just last season. He's regressing back
18: to to me yeah, and, and guess what like it's just Travon Diggs isn't a good corner and when you don't have Travon Diggs who else do you have like Dallas is literally screwed and they're still America's team and people still think they're gonna win the East no I'm I'm not even being biased legit and I'm being serious the NFC East is between the Giants and the commanders the Eagles barely beat Detroit. And we're going to shift to that right now. The Lions, I get they were on hard knocks, and a lot of us are fans of the Lions now because they were on hard knocks. I am myself. I love Dan Campbell. Jared Goff is the former number one pick from the University of California. Been a big fan of Jared Goff all my life. They, they barely lost to Philly, the Lions did, by three points. The Lions are a good team. They, last year, they lost some pretty close games, especially the one against Baltimore. They almost beat Baltimore, but Justin Tucker, is such a good kicker, made that long-ass field goal. Excuse my language, but they made a long field goal, and they won. Detroit's a good team. They held Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and whoever they have over there at wide receiver. Zero passing touchdowns. They forced him to win on the ground. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts... Not a dual-threat quarterback. I'm sorry. All you Philly fans out there, stop the cap. Jalen Hurts is not a dual-threat quarterback. Zero passing zero passing touchdowns against Detroit's defense? Really? Right. Sure. Uh, Jared Goff, two touchdowns uh, on Sunday against Philly. Had that one fumble, but it was, you know, recovery. Had that one interception. He needs to play better 100%. DeAndre Swift is a top-10 running back. 15 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. Really good. And I love Amar Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver from Detroit. Uh, he's a guy from California as well. As a brother in the NFL, Equinemius, who is on the Chicago Bears as of right now, had a touchdown as well. So congrats to those two guys. You know, the fact that they scored touchdowns within three minutes of each other, that's yeah, that pretty was- good. That was cool for the best. Yeah, it's it's cool for the family. You know, football's not all about you know winning and losing. It's about you know the other things in life, and that was pretty heartwarming. Um, but yeah, Detroit is going to be a good team. They're going to surprise some people. They're not going to win the NFC North. I mean, unless something really bad happens in Green Bay or if Minnesota just takes off with Justin Jefferson. Uh, but Detroit's going to be a good team. Maybe they'll have maybe five, six wins, just because they played really hard. And I'm rooting for them.
13: Yeah, I think everybody's rooting for the Lions. <laughs> um, I think that game was a little misleading, though. They came into the fourth quarter, the score was 38-21. to 21. And the Lions scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. The Eagles scored none. And that's what made it a close game. But, yeah, so I, th- I don't know... I don't know how to take that. Either Philly just took their foot off the gas because they had a huge lead, or Denver's gonna fight, or excuse me, uh Detroit's gonna fight till the end. Probably a little bit of both. But yeah, I think five wins is probably the ceiling for the Detroit Lions, unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm.
18: Exactly. So we'll see what happens with Detroit. But this is where I really want to go to this this game pissed me off. Really bad. And the Giants, we can say that for last, it's not really important, but they won, and I'm really excited, and I'm very optimistic for the game against Carolina on Sunday. I have Sunday ticket, which is great, after it just went down on Sunday. It's great. The Giants, Tyler, I was was screaming really, really loud on Sunday when the Giants won. I just want to let you know I was screaming really loud. I was happy as hell. I wish I could have felt that joy. I'm sorry. Hey, next week, y'all have – Arizona has – Perfect. Perfect. The Raiders are the most overrated team in the NFL. You know what? I said on many, many occasions in previous episodes, and for some reason I'm always wrong when it actually happens. I said Derek Carr is a top ten quarterback.
13: He's not. I've always said he's not. I'm. He's a stat guy. He's not a winner.
18: And that's the thing. I was wrong again, and, you're and right you were wrong again.
13: yards and two touchdowns. You
14: lost
18: exactly. And here's the thing. Okay, you go twenty-two for thirty-seven. By the way, Jones Daniel Jones seventeen for twenty-one. So Casey, shut your mouth. Jones outplayed Derek Carr. 22 of 37. Okay, that's okay. You could say, oh, okay, that was a decent game. You know, at least he threw for over 50% of his passes, or completed, I should say, over 50% of his passes. 295 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams was really good, had 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown as well. Darren Waller, four catches, 79 yards.
13: I mean, my craziest takeaway from that game is that Devontae Adams had 17 targets and only caught 10 balls. Derek Carr's not even putting them on him because you know Devontae Adams is going to catch anything that he can get his hands on.
18: But that's the thing. I, <laughs> you know, in football, when you have, okay. Let's, Tyler, we're, we're, we're great friends. Let's say we're on the same team, right? Let's say that you're a receiver who I really love. You've been my best friend since college. I can trust you. I know you. I'm going to throw you the ball whenever I can, right? The defense is going to know okay, he's going to throw to this guy. So let's key him key in on this guy, keen on you specifically. So that way I cannot throw to you. Or when I throw to you, it's going to be complete. The same thing happened with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. Stop with this shit. You have Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, who is – I love him. He's a good slot guy. Three catches and for 21 yards. Josh McDaniels, what are you doing? You were an offensive coordinator for the Patriots, right? and you come into Vegas, and we are so optimistic. We're so optimistic to the point where it's like, okay, we have Renfro, we have Devontae, we have Waller. I'm going to coach Derek Carr up to be a top 10 quarterback in the league. And 17 targets to Devontae Adams just because he's Derek Carr's best friend? That's not going to work in the NFL. That's why y'all scored under 20 points uh, against the Chargers. Yes, you did. Uh, Justin Herbert. Look, Keenan Allen is his number one receiver in Los Angeles. Allen only had four catches. Herbert is a good quarterback because he knows how to spread the ball around. Let's face it, Devontae Allen got
13: hurt in the first quarter.
10: Life's better with a financial partner like Ameris Bank. From opening your first savings account to funding your kid's college tuition, we're with you.
11: From a flash of a business idea to growing that company just as fast, we're We're with with you. you.
10: From buying a home to tackling the renovations to make it truly yours, we're We're with with you. You You have big plans, financial questions, and decisions to make. And for every idea, life goal, and new venture, we're we're with you all the way. way. Visit AmerisBank.com slash with you to get started. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
11: Wherever you are on your financial journey, at Ameris Bank, we're with you. From setting up your new bank account... You're all set. ...to expanding your business's footprint, we're with you. From savings plans that advance college funds to graduation milestones worth celebrating. With every big step... Then baby step. We're with you all the way. Visit Amerisbank.com slash with you and let's turn those money questions into financial peace of mind. Amerisbank, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
13: But I have Mike Williams though, and he only caught one one ball even after Keenan Allen went out. So it does show like Herbert
18: was spreading it around. Exactly. Whether it's Joe Everett or a Joshua Palmer. Mike Williams to an extent, but he had one catch after Allen went down. It, it doesn't matter because Justin Herbert is obviously so much better than Derek Carr because Herbert is not consistently staring down at one guy for seven you know, for seventeen targets. Herbert went twenty-six to thirty-four, two hundred and seventy-nine yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Derek Carr, three interceptions. Oh, and two fumbles. And we say Daniel Jones is bad. I I cannot wait till Casey comes back on this show. I am telling you, he has no argument against uh Daniel Jones because his quarterback, Derek Carr, terrible. And the, the running game, where was Zamir White? Zamir White was really good in the preseason, right? <laughs> Josh Jacobs, 10 carries, 57 yards. That's it. No touchdowns. Him and Brennan Bolden, that was the only two back, uh, backs in the backfield on Sunday against uh, the Chargers. That's it. And, you know, you can look at Devontae. Yeah, he had a good game, 10 catches, 141 yards. But when you're getting targeted 17 times, that's a big concern. Um, and, look, I just
13: – And you're only I, giving 10 carries to your RB1, who's averaging 5.7 a carry.
18: Exactly. That's
13: the same what, what, time.
17: He's, what are the Raiders doing, doing? The
13: ball. If you hand him the ball, two downs in a row, he's going
18: to get you a first down. Thank you. So, what are the Raiders doing? You know, you just because you have Devonte Adams doesn't mean that's like saying, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. They're not going to win the AFC West." And I thought that a little bit. I thought to myself, maybe the Chiefs aren't going to win the AFC West. They just blew out the Cardinals, and I, I hate to say it. But they just blew up the Cardinals. Without Tyreek, they don't need Tyreek Hill. And now we're all saying, oh, I'm not sure about you, Tyler, but we're like, oh, Devontae Adams in Vegas, Derek Carr, it's going to be have a great year. Three picks, two fumbles, targeting one guy for the whole game, not Hunter Renfro, who, who was really good last year, not Darren Waller. Waller four catches seventy nine yards, double that double the amount of catches he had, or maybe the as, as I should say. He had eight catches for what a hundred and fifty eight yards. He would have outplayed Devonte Adams, and you didn't give Waller the ball.
13: Yeah, I'm worried that the Raiders are gonna slide into the the Michael Thomas thing, where. Devontae Adams is just going to turn into slant boy.
18: Because they have to get him the ball some way,
0: right?
13: And they just want to get him the ball in space quickly. I feel like they're going to, it's going to turn into slants and screens pretty quickly. I I don't like. You got to stretch the defense, you got to spread the ball around. If your running back's chunking off 5.7 a carry, probably give him the rock a few more times than 10 carries in the entire game. But yeah, it's like I said at the beginning, the Raiders aren't, they're not good. They, they look good. They get a lot of hype. They're the Raiders. People love the Raiders. Derek Carr is not a winner. He will always do just enough to make it interesting if the other quarterback is playing out of his mind, Derek Carr plays almost out of his mind. If the other quarterback is playing awful, Derek Carr just plays a little more more awful. He he's just not a winner. He plays down to his competition. He's very talented, makes poor decisions in the clutch. He'll make great decisions, and then like, you know, pressure time. Bad bad decision. Either hold the ball too long, fumble it in the pocket, or just throw the ball into double coverage, make a bad read. Whatever it is, the guy is not a winner. He never has been.
18: He made the playoffs last year, and that's great. But that's last season. Everyone has moved on from last. It's been week
4: one already. The Cardinals made
13: the playoffs last season. Everybody acts like making the playoffs is winning the Super Bowl if your Mm -hmm. team was asked for a few years. Like, I know you guys have been going through it in Oakland and now Las Vegas, but making the playoffs isn't winning the Super Bowl. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know what other fan bases need to hear that, but there's a lot
18: of them. Unless you're Cincinnati or the Rams, you really – you moved on. The Rams, if yeah. They, they, if you're Cincinnati, they, they moved on. Exactly. Like, yeah, the Rams have their hungover against the Bills and, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're, good, they're good, you know, probably going to make the playoffs. The Rams are. Let's face it, it's the NFC. It's a weak conference. Cincinnati, you had Joe Burrow, four interceptions. You're never going to see that again from Joe Burrow. And they still eight. almost won. Exactly. They lost by three. The Raiders, and the Derek Harper was
13: hurt. If they hadn't. They would have won that game in regulation if they had their long snapper. Because he, they had a backup tight end as the long snapper. He snapped the ball high. The mm-hmm. kick, the holder caught it above his head. By the time he got it down, there was no time to turn the laces and it went wide right. Exactly.
18: I think it was blocked. And, it? Well,
13: the kick in regulation was blocked, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the kick in overtime, high snap, kicked the laces, mm. missed. So the Bengals had multiple chances to put that away, and it just came down to special teams. But Jamar Chase, that was a cool touchdown at the end. He just casually caught it, sticks it <laughs> around the pylon. So the Bengals will be fine. Yeah, the Bengals right. will be fine. Joe Burrow is not throwing four picks again, like you said. But the Raiders
18: are a big question. It's just you can't, you cannot do this. And, you know, expect to win. You know, Josh McDaniels, he, if he keeps this up, if this whole losing continues, we're going to say, oh, you know, whoever leaves the Patriots coaching-wise is going to suck. Matt Patricia went to Detroit, was a defensive coordinator. Look, look what happened. Patricia went to Detroit, sucked. He's back at the Patriots. The Giants, uh, Joe Judge, went from the Patriots to uh, to the Giants, back to the Patriots. Josh McDaniels. Look, if he sucks in Vegas, he's going right back to the Patriots and he'll be the OC again instead of whoever the OC is in New England. I guess Matt Patricia, Joe, I don't know who's the OC in New England. They just got
13: the good old boys club. They always got a a home if they – if.
18: There you go. See, it's like, hey, we're walking you back with open arms and Bill Belichick's like, I told you, you shouldn't have left me. And so far, the Raiders (laughs) – sorry – um, we all said that the, that the uh, Raiders may or may not be last in the AFC West. At this rate, hit them and the Broncos are going to be battling for last. I and think we'll
13: figure it out. I think we can put the Raiders there.
18: I, I mean, Denver, they lost by one and it was a Basically, just one bad coaching decision that led to the uh, Broncos losing. Because I know, we all know Russell Wilson could get you all five yards for that first down and make it closer, at least, for McManus. Uh, and by the way, it wasn't Denver, you know, where the altitude is good and they, make, they can make long field goals over there. It was in Seattle. So I don't know what... Coaching thing or Hackett was thinking. He had about. the
13: distance. He just missed to the exactly. side. Like he would have missed that in Denver too. That's why I don't understand. Like why they did that. I... But see, they could have made it closer. That's the thing. So it's just like, what are we doing? Like it's it's five yards. Yeah, you get that first down, and then you run the ball two or three times mm-hmm. with your timeouts. Go no huddle. Run it on first down. Go no huddle. Run it on second down. Call a timeout maybe throw a short out or something to get out of bounds or run the ball again, get the ball down to like the 30 yard line, give him a 47 yarder instead of a 64 yarder. Like you have three timeouts in a minute. That's five plays.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Up five yards
13: and get him closer. Cause then he doesn't, it's like golfing. The harder you try to hit the ball, the more likely it is to, to miss. If you just nice and easy, think it's you're more accurate, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's kicking out, he's swinging out of his shoes, trying to bang it 64 yards at sea level, like literally 10 feet from the ocean, like they play on the water in the Puget Sound. It, yeah, and it was a humid, warm night there. Like, I, the balls to even try that. I was impressed that he had the leg, but. If you have to kick it that hard, you're going to, you know, he was pulling him because he's kicking it so hard that he was pulling him with his leg. You know what I mean? Exactly. And if and he had been 20 yards closer, he wouldn't have had to boot it so hard. He probably could have followed through straight and chipped it right through.
18: And not, every, not everyone is Justin Tucker. You know, just because Justin Tucker is a good kicker doesn't mean that you have a Justin Tucker on your team. There's a reason why. Justin Tucker, in my opinion, is one of one. He's just a different type of kicker. He has ice in his veins. He's gone through it. He can kick you on field goals, and he'll make them no matter the distance. And Brandon McManus, no shame to him. He's a great kicker. Last night is not on him. It is not his fault that he missed. It's Coach Hackett, and if this continues, Hackett might be on his way out, and Russell Wilson – I don't know, man. He may have wasted his time in Denver, and you signed that extension. That's not good. So it I may be just – on think way
13: is really good about getting these quarterbacks on the back end of their career, what they need um, to win. And he did it with Peyton. He built a team around Peyton, and he did it quick. Mm-hmm. And then Peyton fell off really quick too. That last year, Peyton could barely throw the ball five yards, and they were still a winning football team into the mm-hmm. playoffs. Um, so I do think that John Elway is gonna—he's gonna listen to Russell Wilson. He's gonna get Russell the tools he wants, and and they should improve on offense. The defense looked pretty good, though I'll say.
18: That is true. I mean, they did make Keelon Smith with like Patrick Holmes in the first half, but other than that, I think they you know.
13: were forcing they were forcing turnovers though too. I was surprised yeah. how many times
18: the ball was on the ground in Seattle last night. <laughs> not a lot of fumbles by Denver. I think it was two fumbles in the red zone. Uh, I think it's inside the five too. By the way, and yeah, they that, were
13: inside the five three times and got terrible. zero touchdowns.
18: That's not good. If you coach Hackett, that's not good on your resume to lose that Week One game. Uh, but you know what? It's only Week One. You, you can say, you can sit here and say, "Oh, we're just overreacting. Oh, maybe the Cowboys aren't dead. Maybe the Raiders are gonna figure it out. You know, maybe Arizona is gonna continue their losing ways or whatever." No, it's look. I'm just saying, like, ain't, legit, anything ain't can happen. It's just week one. That's why, as a Giants fan, I'm going to say it again, the Giants didn't win, uh, like many others did not say. Uh, I, I'm Look, I can be cocky if I want to. Many of y'all said we weren't going to win, including you. You didn't say we were going to win. I said we were going to win, because you know what? It's Coach Dable, and he's a good coach, and he did win case hey, I didn't shit up. on
13: you guys. I just want Saquon to have a good game.
18: You, you, you said it in a nice way. You're like, you know, the Giants are going to probably lose, but you hope Saquon Barkley goes off. And I'm like, okay, I'll take that. I have Saquon Barkley too on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I, I wasn't complaining. I needed Saquon to go off too, and he did, um, fortunately. But, you know, Giants, a great win. It's only week one, but hey. But Dak Prescott being out for Dallas, and we got Dallas in week three on Monday Night Football. I'm just saying the Giants can pull out, a Carolina, uh, pull out a win against Carolina in week two. That week three game against Dallas looks pretty winnable, and you can see the Giants in first place in the NFC sooner rather than later, um, like many didn't say to start the year. And uh, by the way, those analysts from NFL whatever network or whoever who picked Tennessee to win, all 10 of them, fuck you, respectfully. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what can we expect from the Cardinals uh, heading into week two here against the Raiders? Hopefully the same from the Raiders.
13: That'll make it easier on the Cardinals. Um, I think, yeah, the offense was just tough. I mean, the offensive line didn't play great. Kyler was scrambling a
10: lot. Um. life's better with a financial partner like Ameris bank from opening your first savings account to funding your kids college tuition we're with you
11: from a flash of a business idea to growing that company just as
10: fast we're We're with with you you. from buying a home to tackling the renovations to make it truly yours we're We're with with you. you you have big plans financial questions and decisions to make and for every idea Life, goal, and new venture, we're We're with with you you all the way. way. Visit AmerisBank.com slash with you to get started. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
13: I mean, A.J. Green's the best receiver out there right now. I talked about Rondale Moore and uh, Bolden Jr. And all these guys, and none of them were on the field. So um, it was Andy Isabella. It was Greg Dorch. Greg Dorch caught the most balls, I think, for us. Yeah, yeah he had seven catches, 63 yards. So, um, yeah, Greg Dorch, man. That was our best receiver last week. So um, maybe the game plan will change a little bit. I thought it was interesting. Kyler Murray outrushed James Conner with 29 yards. So we're going to need the the rushing game to be a little better. Um I actually thought it was interesting. James Conner, when he played the most of the, well, he took most of the snaps the whole game. But towards the end of the game, when it was kind of blowout time, uh, we started throwing Eno Benjamin in there. And Eno was actually moving the ball. Um, Arizona State, shout out to him. Um, You know, good old local boy there in Arizona. But, yeah, Eno Benjamin, I like Eno. And that's nothing off of James Conner. But I like you know Benjamin. He was running hard in garbage time last week. So, I'm hoping that... Keep James Conner in for pass protection. Mm-hmm. Still give him some carries. James Conner is very effective catching the ball out of the backfield. And he does these crazy one-handed catches. And he's a... He, people don't think of James Conner as a power back. But he's been running fools over the last two years. And so... Keep him involved in the passing game. I'd like to see Eno Benjamin get a few more carries early on in the game to help maybe move the sticks. And then it's just going to be about getting guys healthy. Um, Hopefully, Rondell Moore's back soon. Byron Murphy played, but he was banged up. He was basically playing on one leg. J.J. Watt wasn't out there. I mean, there was like 14 people on the injury report for week one, which is not where you want to start the season. So the only optimism that I can pull out of that is that we're going to get healthier as we go.
18: Mm-hmm. I, I do like Benjamin as a, a change of pace. You know, obviously, you know, when your RB1 needs a break, you put your backup in. Benjamin, as you, you know just mentioned, he's a solid uh, guy to put in there when needed. And he ran hard, like you mentioned, against Kansas City late in the game. And if he continues to show that, why not play him more? You know, the more... You show that you're capable of, you know, handling those carries when it matters. The more you're gonna play. That he looks
13: sense. like Ray Rice a little bit. That small, stubby back, you know, powering through the holes. I obviously, I'm not saying he's Ray Rice. Mm-hmm. Capable of the same things as Ray Rice, but it just reminded me <laughs> a little bit of Ray. Just you know, old Ray Rice running through the running through the holes. You can't even see him because he's so small, and he small. just disappears and then comes out of the hole. So it, it it made me think of that a little bit, seeing him bust off a couple nice ones. Exactly.
18: Is, is Marquise Brown healthy for Week Two? Or yeah, that, he is. He
13: is. He, uh, he caught a touchdown in Week One. Um, I, I mean it was. Kind of a garbage time touchdown already so it wasn't it was mostly just for fantasy um, so i'm glad they caught that but yeah when he got his touchdown it was 37
18: to 7 so what are you gonna well, do i will say i will be going with arizona not because not because it's just you but you know the raiders big question mark i think y'all should be able to handle davante adams a little bit better since uh, the Chargers did, but then again, the Chargers didn't have J.C. Jackson, so, yeah. Uh, yeah it's a
13: good game to bet on, too, because the Cardinals are minus six points.
18: I'll take so Arizona. If
13: the Cardinals win, or if, if the Cardinals lose by five, you still win that bet. So, the Cardinals are getting six points, so that's good. If you take them straight up, you bet a hundred dollars, you get your hundred back plus two hundred more. So uh, there is some value there. Vegas is feeling Vegas. So
0: um, I'm
18: feeling Arizona. I, I'm feeling that hot weather Arizona, brother. I'm yeah. I, I love Arizona. By the way, I uh, my grandparents are down there. Uh, just love the environment. it's quiet. You know, it's you know, it's hot. It's beautiful, though. It's just the view. It's, it's better than California, and it's cheaper. So it's I love hot to. in the
13: summer, but it's 65 and sunny all winter. So Yeah,
18: see? It's not that bad. I, I love to move down there. Seriously. Winter is our
13: summer. I'll
18: take it. <laughs> um, I will have an episode later for you folks out there about the Giants as they head to their Week 2 matchup against the Panthers later on the week. Uh, before you go, Tyler, just a big thank you once again. The Chargers and the Chiefs face off on Thursday night football. First question, who do you got? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Ah.
13: I'm like going to go with the Chiefs. Um, I think that they're probably they're probably not going to score 44 like they did on the Cardinals. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought even though the Chargers are good, um they barely beat the raiders true we just spent an um, 43 minutes and 35 seconds shitting on the raiders so um that you know that that doesn't seem like it measures up to me you can't go from beating the raiders by 5 points and then playing Kansas City at home they're in Kansas City and think that, you know, that's a good sign. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you play you play the game. That's why you play the game. But games in Kansas City, Kansas City looked great. No missing Tyreek Hill. Um, Chargers, on the other hand, Keenan Allen got hurt immediately. He's going to be out several weeks. Herbert's good. He was spreading the ball around. But I just don't think that it's – going to be explosive enough to keep up. Like, when the when the Chiefs were playing the Cardinals, the Chiefs had a 14-point lead, like, six minutes mm-hmm. into the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not a matter of... I mean, at that point, you're playing from behind the whole game. You have to throw your game plan out the window, and that's probably why James Conner was outrushed by Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? That just wrecks everything. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City is that team. They will get 14 points in five minutes and then your game plan is in the trash and Herbert's throwing the ball 50 times. Yeah. So, we'll see. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do think the Chargers are going to be playing from behind most of the game. And I think it's going to win.
18: I think, like you said, when you're down 14-0 or when you have a big deficit early, it just destroys the game plan. you got to readjust, and by the time you readjust, you're down by even more. So, yeah, and when you lose, like, by that much, you bounce back the next week. It it just happens, you know, Um, except if you're the Oakland A's. (laughs) I did go to a game last – I don't know if I told you. I went to a game last week, two games actually. And the first game I went to with my girl and her family, they got blown out. After I think it was like fourteen to two. Yikes! And I was like, you know what? They're not going to lose that bad, or yeah, they're not going to lose the next day, right? They were winning. That's it.
13: And that was <laughs> and that
18: was it. Oh no, they were up
13: three
18: to zero. In the night. my
13: else, Some of my friends, um, they love talking smack to me and getting me upset. And they always say, uh, he should have played for the A's. He made a terrible business decision. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Kyler Murray is making more money than the entire Oakland A's the franchise. roster.
18: The whole roster.
13: And that's... I mean, Moneyball was like a cute movie or whatever. The A's, that stadium is just a black hole. Um, and just seeing
18: Kyler play there is just. Ugh.
13: No, I like the A's though. I just think they need mm-hmm. they need to get that stadium situation figured out, and they need to spend some money. Um, like Moneyball was cute or whatever, but you're not. It's not working. Like, are they still doing that? Are they still doing the Money Bowl stat stuff? Is that why they're not spending any money? Yeah. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't even it. like that movie. I thought it was
18: stupid. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I never seen it, but just based on what they've been doing right now, uh, not really building a roster that, that can compete as of right now, I don't like the move. But, hey, it's, with every team, whether it's a football, basketball, or baseball, You have to you know deal with the blows and go through the rebuilds also the a's are doing their rebuilding
13: yeah but they're rebuilding with advanced statistics instead of their eyeballs and their brains (laughs) that's what moneyball to me is about and i've seen it in multiple different sports uh the coyotes general manager he was the youngest general manager in nhl history he had just founded this crazy stat site called oh. Um, And then he comes in as general manager. Same with the A's. These guys, they come in, they see the numbers, but they don't understand the game. And I'm not saying the, the A's management doesn't understand the game because I don't know their pedigree. But I know that John Chica, when he took over the Arizona Coyotes, he didn't know hockey. He knew stats. So he gets all these guys that have these great stats but they're all, they're all soft. Like, hockey is a hard game, right? You have to have toughness and grit. You have to be difficult to play against. Those aren't stat-measured attributes.
0: Mm-hmm.
13: And I just think it's so stupid. Like, you're like, oh, well, this guy's numbers are really good. Have you seen his swing? Do you, did you look at him? Did you watch him taking it back? Yeah, he gets walks, but when he swings the bat, he looks like an idiot. I don't know. Like, it's just, like, completely foregoing any eye test, any common sense. And it's just purely based on numbers. It's like you don't watch a baseball game on a piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're making all these decisions based on a piece of paper. You still go out on the field and play the game, though. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole premise of Moneyball. It, it hit home with my NHL team. Basically, they tried the money ball thing. It didn't work. That guy's canned. And now we're trying to build a team of like tough hockey players again. I think that that's, you know, if, if Oakland is still in there, they got to they gotta look around. Spend some money and stop following the stats so blindly. There is value there, but we said at the top of the show, stats can be misleading.
18: Well, I will say this: Saquon Barkley is leading the league in rushing and scrimmage charts. That's all and I that, gotta say.
13: That is not misleading.
18: Dang, yeah, see, I'm telling you, man, this could be it. I hope, I hope this is it, though. I'm not gonna get too hard, too far ahead of myself. The last time I did that, it didn't end well too, for us. But um, if Saquon but, does this every
13: week, he's gonna win MVP. Is it just because he's on your fantasy team? No, if you rush for 150 yards and a touchdown 17 times, you're gonna win MVP.
18: I hope so. Running backs don't win MVP, but this could this could be what is that? 150 times 17, bro. That
13: would be 2,500 yards. He would break the record if he did this. I
18: hope so, man. He needs to. I love Saquon, man. I hope he remains a giant forever. I I just love him so so much. Like he's a guy that you know can change a game in a and that's what he did against the Titans uh, in Week One. You know at, that two point conversion. You have two defenders right in front of you, and unless you're you know Saquon Barkley, you're not gonna break those tackles or evade to the outside. But that's what Saquon does. He's elusive. He's fast. He can do everything. He can throw uh he can throw, I guess, sometimes, but he can mostly run and catch balls out of the backfield and also line up a wide receiver. And it's not because I'm a Giants fan, he's just look up tape, and you'll see it. Uh no, I mean, so, it feels better when Saquon's playing. I know it really is. But like, he's, he's just fun to watch. He is I'm glad the Giants have him. But uh, you know what? It's all good. Week two. Carolina coming up for the Giants, and many teams have a week-two matchup they need to prepare for. The Cardinals have the Raiders. The Chiefs have the Chargers, and so on and so forth. And Tyler, I know you got things to do as well. Thank you, as always, for joining the podcast. We'll have you back on in the future, maybe sooner rather than later. We would love to get your betting uh, analysis. And as you may not know, folks, Uh, We're thinking about bringing in Tyler every week if he's available. He has a busy busy schedule in law school. See, smart guy right here. Uh, As a uh, betting analyst for us, and as you all know, we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. Use the promo code and 8 and you'll get a free deposit match up to $100. Uh, To bring in Tyler every week, to uh, you know, give us analysis. You know, picks to, to go for picks to fade or, you know, picks to stay. You know, out of the way of if that makes sense, folks. Uh, but we'll, we're just, its still in the works, So I'll talk with Tyler about this off here. But uh, Tyler, once again, thank you so much for joining the show. We appreciate it. Thank you guys, as always, for watching and listening to the Elite Champions podcast. And we'll see y'all tomorrow. Maybe Casey might be back. He might not. We'll we'll work it out. Uh, but just have a great rest of your day, and uh, expect us as always to have championship sports talk every week because we are elite. And follow us on Twitter at EliteChampions4L. So the number four and then the letter L, uh, capital L to be exact. We'll see y'all next or tomorrow, and have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to y'all soon.
10: Vary is office furniture for the new way to work. Our standing desks, furniture, and accessories help you create a modern office that's designed to change when it needs to. Plus, your team will love it. To learn more, visit vary.com. That's v-a-r-i.com.
0: jungle.